everybody. This is 372 Pages We'll Never Get Back. We are, in fact, ourselves back after a uh, eventful last week. We haven't recorded one of these in a while because of vacations and or live shows, but uh, it's the last week in September and October is approaching the spookiest of months. And so we have... Oh, spooky. <laughs> spooky because of... Uh... The Twins uh, losing in baseball immediately is, I assume, what you mean. That spooks me out. <laughs> the reverse jinx attempts continues for Mike, who is attempting his <laughs> pretty much two months ago was 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 declaring the Twins doomed. Uh, they were in, twenty games the up dirt. for the love of God. They're now two games and they clinched it, but barely. You have to admit, barely. And they appear to be probably going to be facing the Yankees in the first round of the playoffs. Who have. It's the it's pretty much been Roadrunner and Coyote uh, with them since, since as far as I've known Mike and uh, he's, he's 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 trying to keep these these reverse jinxes going but uh, it's 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 adorable. Have they helped at all? They, they have, have not. <laughs> it, uh, I expect it to be a, a quick exit myself. But yeah, it'll be a it'll be a spooky playoff series. We've got spooky flavors of stuff coming out in stores, and we're reading a spooky book here on 372 pages. Bram Stoker's Lair of the White Worm. All right, let's get this out of the way right away. I don't want this to become another Ogden. You called him variously Bram or Brom. What hey, are you settling on? I'm going with uh, Brom. I'm. Don't you assume that it's a uh, colloquial of For Abraham? Abraham? Yeah. So Bram, I suppose. But also, I also say tomato, obviously, because I'm not an idiot. And, but every time I pour a drink of the Midwestern Bloody Mary additive Clamato, I call it Clamato. So I guess I, I'm, I'm, I'm so you are not to be the, trusted in point. matters. Yes, <laughs> I realized I that this summer. So, if someone can dig it out, I believe in our live show and when you previewed it, you said Bram. Wow. All so right. what do you just? I just want consistency, man. Uh, <laughs> are the twins going to lose or not? No, never mind. Right, let's not get back to that. So, B Stokers, uh, Lair of the White Worm, <laughs> Mister Sir Stokers. Uh, yes, Lair of the White Worm. This is the podcast. I don't think we even introduced who we are. Sorry. So I'm going to say I'm Michael J. Nelson. I'm Bram Lestoka. It actually kind of works. That's uh... Braham <laughs> Lestoka. Uh, yes. And this is the podcast where we read through books, which we probably are not going to like. Mm -hmm. that, that has held true for the most part. Absolutely. With, uh, with exceptions that are noted during the podcast. So go back and listen to them if you want to figure that out. Uh, yeah, we just got back. We did a, a live show here in Minneapolis at Sisyphus Brewing. A, I thought it was a rousing success. Yeah. There was no, uh, very little booing, way <laughs> less than I thought there would be. There, yeah, there were groans and stuff, but like, you know, I've, 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 I've been on stage in front of a, of a bad audience and it's not a good feeling. And, uh, so you know, uh, right away when there's a good audience and things went well and people were happy and i was not uh, chased out of town with pitchforks and uh torches for for what i read and yeah the beer was Did good you, too uh, so what, i need to go back to this when have you been what's the most hostile audience you've faced cuz i did you know i did stand up in the early 90s you are you currently do uh improv and have you ever done stand up i have a couple times yeah it's uh you know it's been so what's the worst crowd you've ever faced what's uh, the it's most hostile I don't know if I've ever faced a hostile crowd, but there has been, you know, just like crowds of, um, you know, people who would who would much rather not be there, I would say. And so you, you get the sense of that, like, you know, when there's when you can just get that first big laugh, it's very rewarding. And then when you realize it's just going to be sort of like 
polite <laughs> tittering <laughs> uh, sure. that's that's not sure. genuine. But I, I suppose actually there have been times when we were doing stuff in a uh, in a in a not in like a comedy club, but in a bar that people did not expect there to be comedy that night. That borders oh, the hostile. <laughs> the, the sounds of people playing pool, uh, it seems like they're somehow amplifying them to to hostily try to drown you out. You know, the, the cue balls never sounded louder. I uh, Maybe some people listening will know uh, Frank Conniff. Years ago, Frank and I did a show. I picked him up, and we went to a club that was currently showing a, uh, a hockey game on all the big screens. Oh, dear. And they shut them down, you know, like with the big, <laughs> like the power going out. Right. All right, listen up, you idiots. We got comedy now. <laughs> to just rousing booze. And we, we go to the club guy like, this seems like a bad idea. Why? What? He's like, hey, you're going on or you're not getting paid. Wow. So we went on, and I, I believe Frank probably did anti-comedy for uh, 35 <laughs> minutes to booing and popcorn hitting him in the face. <laughs> that was probably the worst. Oh, man. I mean, yeah. I don't understand that. You're, you're doing fine. Your TVs are on. People are engaged. Why, are you, why torture your audience? Right. Yeah, and then you come out with your, uh, your, your five minutes of anti-hockey material, and all, all hockey fans <laughs> are mouth-breathing idiots. And so bad timing <laughs> somehow, on that front, too. Yeah, somehow didn't go over. Uh, anyway, let's look, let's get to it. Well, yeah. Um, the, so yeah, the live show was great. Come on out to the next one. Thanks to everyone who did come. It was, uh, it was, it was a lot of fun. It was. And, uh, as it promised, there was good beer. I think, uh, Connor, you went with the hazy IPAs. I went with the more, uh, if there's a double or a triple, I'm always on top of that. Mm-hmm. I know I have a crude, dumb palate. I'm a moron, but I still like IPAs. I even uh, I even bought a uh, a, a listener who made the journey all the way from Fargo with a, a beer uh, because I I said last time I would buy a, a beer to anyone who showed up in a cow rig t shirt. Uh, she brought a Tom Servo figurine in a uh, in a cow rig t shirt, and I, I guess there was wires crossed about who that promise applied to. So to make it right, I, uh, I I bought them a beer this time. So show up next time. Maybe maybe that'll be you. I believe she had a, a Damn It Boy hat. Oh, yeah, the Tom Servo had a homemade Damn It Boy hat. It was it was delightful. <laughs> it was very delightful. Uh, yeah, so try to make it next time. But uh, all right, look, let's uh, roll up our sleeves. Let's get into Abraham Stoker's <laughs> Lair <sighs> of the White Worm. Yeah, it starts off with Chapter 1, Adam Sultan Arrives. And for, you know, we were sort of told that this was going to be the, the, the B-side to Dracula, you know, it's the less iconic work of Dracula. And whoever wrote that to us, how dare you? Because this one starts with a with a real bang, uh, which is a an elderly man tracking down his grandnephew's address. <laughs> whereas, whereas Dracula was uh, correspondences between, I believe, betrothed lovers. This one starts. <laughs> <laughs> with descriptions yes. of letters between elderly people <laughs> and their grandmothers. Yeah, so I wanted to even just like try to, f- I'm not entirely clear because this is not a relationship that, you know, typically exists. Uh, your great-granduncle, is that it? And and your I, grand-nephew? I, like, uh, I'm trying to figure out who that would be in my in my life. I'm as bad at this, you know, 
uh, Bridget will tell me, like, we have to meet your second cousin. And I'm already lost. Yeah. Like, cousin. So can I marry I them? I... <laughs> <laughs> it is a weird mathematics that I d- does not stay in my head. So I have no idea what a grand uncle is. I mean, if I thought for five minutes, I might get closer to it, but I haven't even done that. Okay. Well, yeah. So, but the, uh, but the, the nephew is Adam Sultan. He is delighted that this octogenarian has reached out to him across continents and the ocean because he is in uh, England and Adam is in Australia. Uh, So the old man writes to him. He says, I am in hopes that you will make your permanent home here. You see, my dear boy, you and I are all that remains of our race. And it is but fitting fitting that you succeed me when the time comes. Uh, but yeah, he so we off right away. I mean, there is going to be you know some some hideous racism later in the book, but it's the seeds are sown here, where I guess they are just using uh, the term race is interchangeable with like you know family tree, our line, our yeah. side of the family, exactly our race, which is like wait a minute, right. you're uh, expanding that. Before that happens, though, he says something which is is noteworthy here. Um, they're talking about the, Adam was delighted, replied cordially, some interesting correspondence had ensued. I'm like, all right, well, let's hear it. Oh no, moving on. Right. There is, <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of that. We're going to get a lot uh, of that. Yeah. We had a lot of interesting exchanges between the two and, oh, I'm assuming those will be, nope, we're, we're back to <laughs> looking at rocks or whatever. Yeah. For whatever reason, I guess maybe it's because he's used to doing the uh, epistolary type of books. We get a lot of people like entering a room and being like, you'll not believe the amazing thing I just saw. <laughs> right. Uh, yeah. So this is mostly the first, uh, I said before the show, this is a lot of British throat clearing. <laughs> and maybe this is interesting to people of the time. Like, Wait, he got a letter? And then how did he respond? <laughs> right. But there, there's just a ton of, well, I, I, I'm going to send you a letter, my boy. Right. And, oh, I'm so delighted that you're sending me a letter. Now I've got a letter. And look at that. Oh, maybe I'll meet you someday. Well, I certainly hope so, sir. <laughs> and, uh, and that goes on for a couple chapters. I suppose in these days, though, like getting a letter might have been like the second most interesting thing that ever could have happened to you. After like living past forty, so it's uh, <laughs> right. It's like uh, it, it is. You got to consider the context. Uh, my but favorite. I want to say this. I want to say this right off the bat. Um, I want to be rich enough at say like eighty, which I assume this guy is, that my grandnephews are happy to see me. Oh man, <laughs> because yeah. he he arrives and uh, he sent a groom hot foot to his crony, As you Sir do, Nathaniel yeah. de Salas, to inform him that his grandnephew was due at Southampton on the 12th of June. Oh my God, he was, and he, he makes a delighted speech when he sees him, oh, which yeah. is hilarious. I, I don't know if you have that written down. When he gets into the cab. Uh, with, I, no, do you, if you got it, I, I had it. Well, so he's waiting for him. And this is the whole thing. Like, there's a whole setup. Like, maybe I'll spend some time on the ship that he arrives in. Oh, yes. Or maybe he'll come back with me. Yeah. I don't know what my <laughs> grandnephew will do. Yeah, it says he's uh, as much excited. He's wondering if his grandnephew was as much excited as he was at the idea of meeting so near a relation for the first time. And it was with an effort that he controlled himself. So he's like... <laughs> He's real. He, this is the first time I got to use my settle down stamp that I uh, was given at our Nashville live show. But yeah, he's he's just like quivering like uh, like a guy in a romantic comedy before his first date. Right. And then so here's how the meet cute happens is he's waiting for him at the at the dock or whatever. And they're 
Like, I wonder if I'll recognize him. And then this, uh, this dumbass hops into his uh, handsome cab or whatever and goes, how are you, uncle? I recognize you from the photo you sent me. I wanted to meet you as soon as I could, but everything is so strange to me that I didn't quite know what to do. However, here I am. Glad to see you, sir. I've been dreaming of this happiness for thousands of miles. Now I find that the reality beats all the dreaming. So he hops into the cab and says that. That, yes. And, and as I, he I'd spoke, that the four old man... times he, he'd have shot him in the chest with his pistol that he <laughs> yes. carried. <laughs> yeah, it's a uh, it's a it's an uninterrupted trucking through time style monologue, and it says as he spoke, the old man and the young one were heartily wringing each other's hands. So so as he says all that, they're just like pumping him up and down, like uh, oh man, doing a, the bro handshake. The entire yes. time yeah, they got an eighteen paragraph. <laughs> so yeah, it is a uh, it is you know my my octogenarian relatives, lovely people. The level of excitement this guy musters to see them uh, never have before in human history has this ever happened to the to the to the dude in his mid twenties who's just traveled to uh, to meet his his great grand uncle. I I mean really when I'm that age I'll be asking my my grand nephews like you know I just installed white carpeting get the, who are those kids get them the hell out of here I, I won't be wringing their hands <laughs> but we and we come to learn that that Adam uh you know was was doing pretty well from himself in in Australia he uprooted what what we we lead to believe is is a pretty comfortable existence to come here and uh and and live with an old man who uh you know, is 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 essentially trying to get him to to move there permanently. So, we, we... which is a it must have been rampant uh, pranking or uh, or even a <laughs> style of fishing or whatever, where you could send a letter to someone and get them to move from Australia somewhere. <laughs> yes, right. Like, you dumbass. That was me, your old college roommate. Yeah, he pulls the the, <laughs> the door aside, and you know, just yeah, it's uh, it's it's Smitty from from his fraternity days, just being like ah. <laughs> <laughs> you did it. I can't believe you did it. Right. You thought these hand traps were for you? Oh, man. Cackling like a uh, skater pain video. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but so, yeah, they uh, once they're done wringing each other's hands heartily, uh, things start getting start getting weird. Uh, uh, if you're too, you know, if you were to one who was going to. Uh, read some of this stuff with a with an untoward eye. If that happened to be the way you you approach these books, you might you might find some stuff rather funny in these upcoming exchanges. Uh, so Adam immediately asks the uncle to spend the night on the boat that he traveled on, which the I guess rather than you know just hit the road again since it's been a long day. And the uncle warmly accepted the invitation, and at once they became not only on terms of affectionate relationship, but almost like old friends. The heart of the old man, which had been empty for so long, found a new delight. It was not long before the old man accepted him to full relationship by calling him by his Christian name. After a long talk of affairs of interest, they retired to the cabin, which the elder was to share. Richard Salton put his hands affectionately on the boy's shoulders. Though Adam was to, his, in his 27th year, he was a boy and always would be to his granduncle. So, again, if you were to just... If you were to I, want to impose things on this narrative. You're not in any uh, way. No, I, I read these straightforward. You're taking and, them on their face. Yes, and in the context of the, the era they were written. And uh, I uh, shame on you if you're if you're thinking anything might happen here. I'm glad you were 
Right. I'm glad you spent a couple minutes to shame the people who would do that, which yes. you clearly are not doing. <laughs> you did, while you were reading that thing, though, another, th- uh, after a long talk on affairs of interest, <laughs> which we have had nothing right. interesting. So glossing over the interest thing makes <laughs> me keep going like, ah, yeah. Let's hear that. Let's right. hear that. But no. Right. Uh, but then it gets to this, and I thought this was funny. It continues your, if you're going to take your jaundiced look at your gimlet-eyed <laughs> view of it, go ahead. But the old man's eyes filled and his voice trembled. Then after a long silence between them, he went on. When I heard you were coming, I made my will. And I just thought the, the even the the... Adam has to go, granduncle, please, why are you making this obvious plot on your life so easy for me? Would you you resist just a tiny bit to make this a bit of a sporting challenge for me? Yes. Yeah. I even gave it enough lead time that they wouldn't immediately suspect you. I I started it like a month ahead of time instead of just yesterday. I invented another character who has uh, desires upon my life, and I filed letters with Scotland Yard. So you're you're in the clear. <laughs> but they also, you know, it, it goes to great pains to say that he's going to, you know, to, to go to uh, be as familiar to him as to call him by his Christian name, which they immediately throw out the window, and the uncle just keeps calling him boy. He just says, like, now, my dear boy, let us turn in. I am glad, my boy. Thank you again, my boy. It's like, okay, like, why call our attention to that if it's going to immediately be thrown out the window? Well, first of all, uh, missing either one or two words there, depending on how you, uh, a damn it, boy, would be the obvious. (laughs) Depending on how you spell it, one or two words. (laughs) Um, But then then we, we... Talk about the uh, he's they're they're plotting their their travel for the next day, and we we get a little glimpse of of what Adam's um, life back in Australia was. Uh, he says the uncle says I have uh, sent the carriage in which I travel myself. The horses are of my own breeding, and relays of them shall take us all the way. I hope you like horses because they have long been one of my greatest interests in life. And Adam replies, well, I love them, sir, and I am happy to say I have many of my own. My father gave me a horse farm for myself when I was 18. I devoted myself to it, and it has gone on. Before I came away, my steward gave me a memorandum that we have in my own place more than a thousand, nearly all good. So Adam has has, has sort of come out strong with his horse liking here uh and there's there's a uh so as we as we said in the intro episode we're reading the uh abridged episode uh version of this book it appears to be the most widely circulated the most widely available one um but uh there is a unabridged one and there is an audio version of the unabridged one that i uh tracked down just so i could see what we were missing and so this seemed like a good, a good endpoint just to see if this, because this is a weird exchange. His uncle is like, I, I like horses. And Adam's like, well, I really like horses. Uh, and so I wanted oh, to listen. So there's, there's an audio book of the unabridged one. Yes. Yeah. So the unabridged one has an audio book. I don't know if there's an audio version of this one, but there is. Do you think o- it is something that maybe more than once we might be dipping into? That might be interesting. I'll, you know, send me a link as well. Sure. Yeah. I'll send a link. I might use it in the future at some point. Right. It's always a, it's just a neat, um, comparison like i saw the other day there was a someone was looking at the uh version of a, the original song uh by lizzo and then someone looked at the kids bop version of it so they compared the lyrics to those two so this will be sort of like that we can look at uh the unabridged audiobook and just see what sure. got, what got stricken from the or redacted from this new version so yeah well let's, it's it's good to have that i'm glad that's a resource and right. let's uh let's get right to it yeah, let's take a listen 
So, uh, these horses are of my own breeding. I hope you like horses. They have long been one of my greatest interests in life. Aye, I love them, sir, and I am happy to say I have many of my own. My father gave me a horse farm for myself when I was 18. I devoted myself to it, and it has gone on. Before I came away, in fact, my steward gave me a memorandum that we have in my own place more than a thousand. Nearly all good. Uh, huh. Did, uh, something I said offend the uncle? No, no, it's just that I, uh, mentioned I had bred these horses. They're one of the great interests in my life. Then you barrel over me with your, I've owned my own horse farm since I was 18, have devoted your life to it. And, oh, by the way, I have a thousand horses. I meant no insult. Please, believe me, uncle. No, all right, all right, I... I believe you, Adam. Let's move on. Oh, say, would you look at that? The two Williger lads are kicking the football around. Reminds me of my youth. Made a dozen saves, keeping gold in the high school regional semifinals one year. Did you ever play? Did I ever play? My father never mentioned that they named the high school pitch after me after I got drafted number one. Yeah, retired after three consecutive unanimous most outstanding players in the Queen's Cup. Figured I should try a new challenge, you know. Try- yeah, I guess my 12 saves is a big pile of shit then. Oh, oh no, 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 Uncle. That, that's not what I meant at all. My bad knees can find me to goalie. Guess that barely even makes me a soccer player. I'm sure you were great. You should be very proud. Please, let's not get off on the wrong foot. Mm. Very well. Oh, say, there goes Lady Arabella. Ooh, she's got one of those new model wagon tongues. They say they're unbreakable. I tell you what, investing in that wagon equipment company is one of the smartest decisions I ever made. Gonna pay for this year's winter vacation. I tell you, the guy who invented those must be really doing well for himself. Hmm. Well, I haven't heard of them. I guess you're not better than me at everything. <laughs> well, send a memo to yourself one year ago. Dear Adam Sultan, your grand uncle says to buy stock in Adam Sultan brand wagon talk. Son of a... Oh, I didn't want to say anything. Oh, you had to one-up me again? <laughs> okay, well, you bought stock in my company. That's hardly me one-upping you. I Smug little let's, let's change the subject. You, you mentioned uh, winter vacation. Where, where are you going? Oh, the Maldives. Oh, I've heard great things. You'll have a wonderful time. Mm-hmm. Of course, I'd be remiss if I didn't put you in touch with... Oh, here we go. Let me guess. Uh, the, the president of the Maldives is your old pal, Skip. You played in the Queen's Cup with him, and I can pop by for a state dinner one night? Don't be ridiculous. I know a guy who works as a caretaker on one of the properties. Well, I employ a guy as a caretaker and own the property and the Maldives. You own the country! I I won it off of Skip in a poker game. All right, smart guy. Out of the carrot. But, Uncle, there are snake mounds, those common things that everyone has heard of everywhere. Peace, you one-upping kiwi. Kiwis are from New Zealand! Huh. Kind of lonely without him. Oh, say, a hitchhiker. What's your name, friend? Ulanga. Oh, not interested. I'm racist as hell. 
Seems like asking my name was unnecessary. Wow. Well, yeah. That, yeah that, uh, that, <laughs> it is a... Uh, I mean, that's a, that, that is a reaction that uh, I would have had as well. It was yeah. a bit of a... What do you call it? A, a weird flex? Is that <laughs> yes, exactly. We there we go. Because, yeah. <laughs> yeah, he's... He's, he, he has a thousand horses, so he's quite wealthy, and yet he seems unaware of this fact. You know, his steward has to tell him that he's got these thousand horses, and they're nearly all good. Um, the, the horses that aren't good, I, I, I would like to know more about them, too. But uh. I like in the, in the abridged version, instead of the, the unabridged, which we just heard, of course, mm-hmm. uh, he said, his response is only, I am glad, my boy, another link between us. <laughs> Which I wish he had followed up with, oh, so so do you have a thousand horses? Uh, Is that that the link? Oh, you just like horses. Right, exactly. You have three? Oh, great. Okay, that is a link, I guess. Right. If I ever ever meet Hank Aaron, I'll tell him that I've been to a baseball game, and that will be our, uh, the link between us. What a delight. How linked we are. (laughs) So you've also hit uh, 756 home runs, Connor? Well, no. (laughs) No. I've. I've seen the moon, Neil Armstrong. <laughs> okay. Um, but after the uh, after Thousand Horse Gate, we get uh, they 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 had the first of many this style cliffhanger, um, which is something that I will always associate with with Lost, where someone says something, they have something very important to tell it, but ah, uh, well, that can wait. Uh, he's, the the old man says, "Not at all. Only an old man's selfish pleasures. It is not every day that an heir to the old home comes back." And oh, by the way. No, we had better turn in. I shall tell you the rest in the morning. Um, so that is something we have. We can we can just keep keep track of as they keep stacking oh, up. This, this is book. a hallmark. These <laughs> there are many of these. It it is astonishing. <laughs> Chapter oh. ends are are something that I don't know. I think the the Mister in retro, retrospect was kind of you know masterful compared. We sure. used to read out the chapter ends like holy cow, what is the cliffhanger? <laughs> these are amazing right yeah mister would be like uh he realized that the vacuum had come unplugged and thought he might plug it back in but decided he would do it later dun 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 like yes but yeah this guy is just like you know oh by the way the white worms tall white shaft has been sighted oh no you know what i'll tell you in the morning i yeah there's no time for it now boy let's uh finish one's dinner and uh there's a lot of just harumphing and scene end (laughs) Uh, but, uh, but we get to chapter two, the Cos Coswalls? I don't know. Of Castra Regis. Yep. Castra Regis. So I assume that's the uh the castle of the king. The Caswalls. For some reason they're very interested in these people, and we only figure it out later. Right. I think. Yes. It's, it's a very weird structure for it. Oh man, yeah. So yeah, we get we get uh backstory laid on thick, but first uh, we get a uh, quite terrifying moment, legitimately terrifying. It gave me chills. Uh, a young man is watching an old man sleep in silence. That's how this one starts. Mm-hmm. Mr. Salton has all his life been an early riser and necessarily an early waker, but early as he woke on the next morning, and although there was an excuse for not prolonging sleep in the constant whir and rattle of the donkey engine winches of the great ship, he met the eyes of Adam fixed on him from his birth. So he just he, his eyes pop open and there is Adam just with his gaze fixed upon him. Did uh, both eyes open or did he <laughs> pop only one eye open and scan the room? Yes, he glances at a uh, a anthropomorphic vacuum cleaner and smiles. Uh, what would your reaction be to having your 
grandnephew fixing his eyes on you while you slept in the berth of his room right. in his ship. I think, yeah, you've got to just be like, all right, let's get this over with now. Kill me for the will money. <laughs> yes. Again, the pistol drawn, four shots into his chest. Right. Uh, but uh, then we get to, I think, the first interesting thing of the book. Edgar Cos... I don't know. This is going to be my Ogden. Coswell or Caswell? Caswell. Cas- who cares? Grandfather of the man who is coming here, and he was the only one who stayed even a short time. This man's grandfather, <laughs> also named Edgar, <laughs> aside, they keep the tradition of the family Christian name. <laughs> the fact that everyone is named Edgar, I found <laughs> that was the first thing that got me to like smile and go, oh, this is going to be good. Sure, characters There's that going we... to be a big mix-up about, like, Edgar, come in here. And then four guys try to cram through the door and get stuck in. The... <laughs> oh. Which one of us do you want, woman? Darn uh, this yeah. tradition of the family Christian name. It's not even good. Uh, yeah, but so yes. I found that delightful. Right, and then, but the, so the, 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 the grandfather uh, had quarreled with his family and went to live abroad. And so my my first concern was, is he going to be keeping up intercourse, good or bad, with his relatives? But it sounds like that is quickly assuaged because it says he is not keeping up any intercourse, good or bad, with his relatives, <laughs> which is a big relief for me because that doesn't – it just is a general policy. You don't want to be doing that. Huh? Yeah, this was an odd – I think I had to reread this. So the, there's a family quarrel. Mm-hmm. So they own the estate, but everyone – who is an heir to the estate decides not to live at their estate. So how do they keep the estate? So the estate is just kind of, you know, every day the maid shows up and goes, uh, do we still have to actually work here? (laughs) Do I have to, there's a thousand horses out there. We could just let them go and no one's going to give. Right. Yeah. Paychecks Uh, have been bouncing for generations, right? Isn't that the point of it? He says like, they haven't been back at all. So now this guy is going to come back, the heir to it, and we're going to go throw him a giant party. Yeah. Because he's coming back to this place where we've never even known. All we know is that they're named Edgar, but we've never met <laughs> Edgar. <laughs> right. I guess it's, uh, I guess, you know, with the tropes of this thing, we must be led to believe that there's some horrible curse that's um, befitting this this lonely place. But uh, yeah, as for as for now, it's a, it's a very cr- strange policy. But quickly, we, we get a word of... Uh, Sir Nathaniel, yes. who I think is my my favorite character so far. Okay. There's only really there, there. Well, there's maybe five or six characters by the end of these eight chapters. Um, but Sir Nathaniel is indistinguishable from <laughs> yes. this. He's just he's another grandfather, and he's, they meet him immediately, and he loves the boy too. Oh man, yeah. So he's introduced as you know he 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 literally says, "My old friend Sir Sir Nathaniel, who like myself." is a freeholder near Castor Regis. So they're just sewing that right away. They have the same backstory. One one little wrinkle, though. Sir Nathaniel's estate? Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, so, so people have been like, Castor Regis, uh, the Caswell estate. His is called, like, Mercy House or something. That's where, yeah. that, that's where the grandfather lives. Sir Nathaniel de Salas, his estate is called Doom Tower. <laughs> which is just remarkable. the border upon- of... Derbyshire yeah. on the peak, and I yes, I wrote down uh, Doom Tower. Uh, 
uh, sunny, open concept. <laughs> <Right>. uh, <laughs> yes. Kitchen it's, goes right into the living area so the kids a, can watch. Yeah, a commune where hippies are making uh, goat cheese and stuff and uh, you know, selling selling organic berries. No, they, but it just remark it doesn't go remarked upon. No, not till later that that he, yeah, there's some uh, history of Doom Tower <laughs> later. <laughs> but yeah, it's just like, yeah, my buddy uh, you know, same, Nate is his name. Sir Nathan, you're going to call him Nate. Lives over at Doom Tower. Yeah. And he's like, all right, sounds good. Let's go meet that guy. Right. And then, uh, so Adam meets him accordingly. The conversation, which began on the most friendly basis, this is between Nathaniel and Adam, soon warmed to an interest above proof as the old man spoke of it next day to Richard Salton. So th- this kid is an old man whore. Yeah, it's amazing. Like he just... <laughs> He's a, just he's an easy mark, I guess, or he just he's an old soul. I I don't know, but like yeah, these guys, you know, I guess they they start like they offer him a Worthers, and that's all it takes. Maybe he's. I mean, we still don't know. This could be a long con, you know, and uh, that'll be the twist. Is like ah, peel off the mask. I'm the white worm, you dumb old man. <laughs> Why do you keep falling for grand nephews? Yeah, it's it is it is bizarre. I mean, I guess I guess there's lots of. Uh, there's lots of precedent for this, you know, in turn, like Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, um, Back to the Future type of relationships. But, uh, you know, in real life, it's, uh, you know, again, love my elderly yeah. relatives, but yeah. don't, don't want to be heading off to Doom Tower on a Friday night to, uh, you know. Super long carriage rides with uh, <laughs> a- aged relatives. Right. I don't, I don't, I don't expect it from my uh, younger nephews and nieces, you know. I'll throw the football around with right. them on Thanksgiving and they are generally fond of me, but otherwise they want me gone. So. Maybe they, they noticed Adam's uh, bicep tattoo of uh, Dick Van Dyke in Diagnosis Murder and that was all it took to, <laughs> to win them over. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but here's another point of interest that again gets glossed over uh, and you referenced it already the argument he had one of about 24 wait he had one son of about 24 oh okay he had one son who was 24 mm-hmm. there was a violent quarrel between the two no one of this generation has any idea of the cause but considering the family characteristics we may take it for granted that though it was deep and violent it was on the surface trivial <laughs> Like, describe the argument. How did you not ask what this was? Right. Especially it seemed trivial, but it was obviously deep and violent. How do those things, you know, was it uh, no, past the salt? And yeah, then, those like, are the best kind of news stories where it's, you know, yeah, woman shoots exactly. husband about butter or something. Like, <laughs> Florida man. Yeah. <laughs> yes. So this Florida man story gets completely glossed over. It's just, uh, yeah, and yada, yada. So he, they all moved away, and no one ever moved back. Right. Um, and no yet, further questions. Yeah, and so he's, he is, uh, he's talking about these, the, the, the Caswalls, and he's, he's describing them. He, Adam requests the minuter details. So the, the, his uncle had talked about them for about a page uninterrupted, and those were not the minute details. But then, uh, the, then the Lord of Doom Tower comes up and starts describing them as cold, selfish, dominant, reckless, uh, cold and hard by nature. So like, you know, this is a, uh, the, the guy who presides over Doom Tower is saying all this stuff. So you, you ought to really take that into account. But he's, he's, he's basing this all on paintings he's seen. He says the pictures and effigies of them show their adherence to early Roman type. The thick black hair growing low down on the <laughs> yes. neck told of vast physical strength and endurance. 
So uh, they, they have power mullets or something. I said exactly the same thing. That's whenever I see a uh, an old uh, 80s hairband, I'm going, <laughs> man, that... Uh, that told a vast physical strength yes. and endurance. <laughs> right. The mascara talks about their uh, their persuasive technique and and clear bargaining prowess. Yeah, but it's it's amazing that uh, the race thing comes in again because he said they were all this way that it, this trait is passed down through the ra- cold, selfish, dominant, reckless of consequences. So you're just, if you have a family that says, you're just doomed to it. Right. doesn't matter then if you're raised in a monastery by kindly <laughs> monks or something. You know, nope. You're still, ah, I'm Once still that... cold and my hair goes to the back of my neck. Yeah. So I'm obviously, I have very strong. The monks in the monastery are like, you know, you know, noticed, no, noticed the boy's neck getting hairier today. I fear there is nothing we can do for him any further. His family burden rests upon his grossly hairy neck. Yes, let's get the the daggers, uh, the ritual daggers, and get to the altar. We got to get this over with. But he keeps going about this horrible family that he's uh, assuming a lot from the pictures he's seen. He says, uh, you may assume, Adam, this is all imagination on my part, especially as I have never seen any of them. Uh, So it is, but imagination based on deep study. I have made use of all I know or can surmise logically regarding this strange race with such (laughs) strange, compelling qualities. Is it any wonder there is abroad an idea that in the race there is some demonic possession, which tends to a more definitive belief that certain individuals in the past sold themselves to the devil? So he just just sort of makes that leap. (laughs) Neck hair, therefore, uh, sold their souls. Yeah, this happens a lot, and they use the word consistently use logic and thought based you know it's like look this follows this i can't there's nothing i can do right he's got hair down the back of his neck he's a demon and we have to obviously assume that uh, his race is demons and we have to kill them all i i wish look this is logic oh science okay i'm supposed to this is science, man. Right. The boy comes over to the uh, the house and to kill a mockingbird, puts too much ketchup on his plates, and Atticus is like, guess he sold his soul to the devil. <laughs> yeah. uh, There's nothing we can do, Scout. We have to kill him. <laughs> Tom Waits uh, sees his, his uh, neighbor in what's he building uh, in there, taking the uh, tire swing off the pepper tree. Well, must have sold his soul to the devil. Um, but then he follows up, uh, having sold his soul to the devil, that sort of thing with, uh, uh, yet another one, but I think we had better go to bed now. (laughs) We've got a lot to get through tomorrow and I want you to have your brain clear and all your susceptibilities fresh. So, uh, it's just one of those casual and good night type of, uh, selling your soul to the devil stories. In fairness, they are old men. And you know, bedtime comes. True. <laughs> I just had my uh, my my mother in law was in town, and she says outright, "Like, look, I go to bed at seven <laughs> thirty. It's kind of you know, it's a comforting thing to know. Um, you know, I love my mother in law, but she's only going to be here till seven thirty, right? Sure. <laughs> that she uh, that she drops. So this is just doing that. It's like uh, it's very true to form. The one thing that we skipped over that I just want to address, it's just another one of those things that if you were, again, reading this with your, your eye askance and you're your, your, your looking for things that aren't there, uh, he says, uh, I, I gather from your uncle, by the way, or I, I gather from your uncle, by the way, I suppose we had better speak of your, as you as uncle and nephew instead of going into exact relationship. 
In fact, your uncle is so old and dear a friend that with your permission, I shall drop formality with you altogether and speak of you and to you as Adam, as though you were his son. And I was, you know, I, I felt like we were just like a paragraph away from them being like, you know what, let's just get you into a, a diaper, uh, give you a pacifier, and we'll just call you Adam the big baby and we'll push you around in a stroller. And Adam's like, hey, I, I would like nothing better. <laughs> Is that where you go to it? Okay. That's where. That's where. I mean, All that's right. where some people might interpret this as. Sure, some people get you sure. into the cow suit. I don't know. <laughs> um, it's weird. I, it's, They're like, let's you know, hey, great grand nephew. You know what? Let's just call you nephew. In fact, hey, son. That's even better. <laughs> yes, they are those big. Uh, uh, those things are very much glossed over, and the response from Adam is just a. Uh, I don't know. He's a, a weird puppet who is just delighted yeah, by wide-eyed everything. Delight. His response to it, though, was written in a way that made me laugh. After that thing, like, let's just speak of you as son. And he says, I should like, answered the young man, <laughs> yes. nothing better. Yes. <laughs> Is that a way to write a sentence? That was definitely submitted this as a declaration of, you know, that would be great. That would be, the man continued after a time of, uh, great, right. said the guy. I mean, it just is a terrible way right. to write a sentence. Unless it's Chandler from Friends. Uh, I guess that's the... Uh... That's how we. That would, would be. I should like nothing better. <laughs> well, I think that's it for that chapter. They go to bed again on a, yet another cliffhanger, and then we uh, we we transition into chapter three, Diana's Grove, which I yes, uh, my favorite uh, three ninety nine wine from Ralph's. <laughs> it's on the bottom shelf. Diana's Grove. Right. Uh, <laughs> it's a uh, the, a Doobie Brothers uh, variant, I believe, too. <laughs> It's also the most boring and pointless chapter that I've perhaps ever read. It's a, uh, you know, our our hero wakes up and goes for a walk with an old man. Yep, that's pretty much uh, sums it up. But we get, uh, this was a great sentence, though. I don't have a ton of notes for this because mm-hmm. of what you have said previously. But he pointed with a sweeping gesture, as though calling Adam's attention to the extent of the view. I just thought, what what followed after that? Hey, What's why the sweeping gesture? It's as though you're calling attention to the extent of the view. Like, what? No, I was, uh, I was stretching. <laughs> yeah, arthritis. I mean, if, I'm old. If, if you think the extent of the view is vast, that's on you, man. I was just, uh, you know, doing this big, right. fancy gesture like I do every right. morning when I go for a walk. He uh, points to the to the upcoming uh, snake stone piles and says, "Look out!" And Adam's like, "Should I be careful? What?" I didn't. Uh, yeah. If, if you want to, I guess. I don't know. Is, uh, it, is it as though I were pointing it out? Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> right. Uh, Kleinian. Oh, there's some Kleinian stuff coming up. <laughs> uh, but he says, he, I think probably as he's doing that, he says, uh, I, I want you to bear in mind the trend of the ground for some time, sooner or later, we shall do well to have it in our mind's eye while we are considering the ancient traditions and superstitions. And so I just imagine Adam, who's, you know, 27, who's, like, still, like, yawning himself awake, being like, what? You want me to memori- <laughs> memorize the landscape so that later we can talk about the traditions? Like, I have not had coffee yet, and I traveled from Australia yesterday. Like, yeah, I am quite beside myself. Yeah. <laughs> I am just, like, barely awake. I don't know what's going on. I, uh, But, yeah, he, so he begins his thing. So they go out for the big walk. I have brought you here, Adam. Because it seems to me this is the spot on which to begin our investigations. 
<laughs> like, is that what we're doing? Right. What time is it? <laughs> I have been sold a, a, a bill of goods by my uncle. I thought I was coming here just to lord my thousand horses off of him, but now we're investigating the landscape of Diana's Grove. You know what? Stop calling me son now that I think of it. <laughs> yes. This is very, my dad would not do this to me. It, it no longer delights me. And you know what? Take this pacifier back. <laughs> what about what about the diaper? No, I'll keep the diaper I, for okay. reasons I do not want to get into. <laughs> uh, but just in case people, if if the weirdos out there who don't read the books uh, are worried that we're uh, that we're being uh, exaggerating how boring this chapter was, I, I pulled out some of the riveting dialogue. This is the old man uh, talking to the boy. The old name translated means Diana's Grove. Then the next one higher than it, but just beyond it, is called Mercy. In all probability. A corruption or familiarization of the word Mercia with a Roman pun included. Uh, we learn from early manuscripts that the place was called Villula Misericordiae. It was originally a nunnery founded by Queen Bertha, but done away with <laughs> by King Penda, the reactionary to paganism after St. Augustine, blah, blah, blah. So, yeah, we get uh, in those two sentences Roman puns, uh, corruptions of grammar. Uh, and <laughs> Queen Bertha and King Penda's backstory. Yeah, and I don't think those come up again, at least not uh, soon. I think that's just for the reader's interest. That's a little eye candy for everyone. Um, but you do get, Adam does push back a little bit at this when he says, I think it's right after this, he goes, uh, uh, the very heights and shapes and materials of these hills have in themselves the materials of enlightening books. For instance, sir, said Adam, venturing a question. Like, <laughs> yeah, we knew because there was. Well, look at those hills, blah, 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 blah. Uh, there is something ostensible in each of them, and in all probability, something unseen and unproved, but to be imagined also. Adam says again, for instance. Yes, yes, <laughs> yes. Cough, cough, cough. <laughs> right. For instance. Get to the point, <laughs> <Right>. old man. <laughs> the guy's like, look. Your grandfather and I do not own any of this land. We we brought you out here to rob you, and I was killing time. Uh, Those so aren't even our horses, if <laughs> I'm to be completely honest. My my takeaway here, uh, this is so we're, we're you know I I don't know what we're we're getting into here, but later on we've got like a woman who may be a worm. We've got you know demons and hypnotizing, but this is the most uh, to me the, the most unrealistic thing in this book. Uh, the 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 guy you know he's he's saying for instance, and the old man says, the history of the castle has no beginning so far as we know. The furthest records or surmises or inferences simply accept it as existing. And so I, I just found it truly impossible to believe that this old single guy, one, would not have spent every waking hour of his life doing ponderous like genealogy research about this castle and that two he would not have this horrible uninteresting story prepared to tell every single person who comes to visit it because <laughs> right. it's like if you've ever met you know at some point in time there's this this is stage where people either get interested in uh, world war ii or like their family's genealogy and this guy is well past that stage of life and so uh giving given the tour of his uh uninteresting manner would clearly be the one thing that he would subject every single visitor to yeah, well, then he, he also, he wraps up the chapter, or I, I think it's near the end of the chapter, paragraph after paragraph of boring crap <laughs> that you can't follow or be interested in, and then says, so much for the fortified heights, 
But the hollows, too, have their own story. <laughs> but how the time passes. We must hurry home or your uncle will wonder what has become of us. Wow. So the interesting thing, again, was apparently to follow, but uh, we don't have time for that. Time to go home. My God. And uh, nap, take a uh, Metamucil, <laughs> and uh, I get my pill bag from Amazon, and then I go to sleep. So sure. let's get back into three, that. Three of those in a row. That's amazing, <laughs> uh, but yeah, that's the uh, that was that chapter for me. The just the the backstory of, the, of Diana's Grove, and we can move on unless you got anything else. All right, moving on. Chapter four: The, the Lady, Lady Arabella, Arabella March. March. Yep. Yeah. So yeah, we get to meet a very intriguing character in this chapter. Um, but before we get to that moment of interest, they the old guys want to set some expectations. I found this pretty funny. They're telling Adam. They they go into their roots quite a bit in this thing, and again, in trucking through time style. But uh, he says, we'll go through Liverpool, through what is called the Great Vale of Cheshire. You may be disappointed, but take not to prepare your mind for anything stupendous or heroic. You would not think this place a vale at all, unless you were told so beforehand and had confidence in the veracity of the teller. So he's he's saying, you're going to go through the Great Vale of Cheshire. It's not not very veil like so don't be disappointed i don't that would not disappoint me personally as a uh, as a traveler if a veil was not particularly veil like also that you know great great <laughs> is you know put that in heavy scare quotes <laughs> it's not even a veil so great it can't be great but right. But anyway, we're going to go through it, so keep your eyes peeled. Yeah, no, I was going to be looking at my phone the whole time, uh, so was not going to notice where we were in a new town uh, at all, frankly. I I was hoping to pick you up from the airport for the live show and go, uh, now we're going to be driving down uh, 62, that is the crosstown. There's nothing very six or two about it, and it actually doesn't cross town. It's like east-west, but keep your eyes peeled. Yeah, you were weeping as you explained that to me, that (laughs) there was not going to be any six or two. I was was very— Temper your expectations when I tell you (laughs) that we're then going to be going up 169 north. Uh Huh? Okay, well, I'm— Clearly. No, 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 don't, no, I know that sounds so grand, <laughs> but it's truly, it's very boring. There Take, is a, a Petco there, and uh, there, there's a a Target, actually, it's not a Target anymore. Look, let's just get there. There's a Supercuts? Well, well the cuts are <laughs> mediocre. The cuts are very, oh. yes. Um, yeah, so Annabelle, Lady Arab, sorry, not Annabelle, that's uh, Poe. This is Arabelle March. Mm-hmm. Long hands. Yes. On this woman. Yep. A uh, well, well, well. shocking, a shockingly 372 uh staple is uh Th- is women with is long hands. Three books now or yes. is it even more? No, I've got so far this I believe three. they were in uh, Armada, the uh, insanely hot mom at one point in time was leaping out of her car and running to mine covering her mouth with her long fingers. Then we had the Mister. We had uh, Alicia, who uh, was her long, slender fingers hold the knife as she slices open the baked potatoes, releasing releasing wisps of steam. <laughs> so yeah, her, the uh, Lady Arabella's hands too were peculiar, long, flexible, white with a strange movement as of waving gently to and fro. So uh, yeah, I don't know what's going on here, but this is a weird thing. I I've never. 
I don't know anyone whose hands are comment worthy for me. I mean, I don't know personally. There's, you know, there are people in history who have them. I guess I knew one guy who was a Swedish farmer who was a neighbor of ours who would shake my hand and nearly crush it, you know, because he just had giant sausage fingers. And Sure, but worked. you think of those as like stocky or like sausage-like or uh, meaty, yeah, meaty yeah, mitts. Yeah, those are mitts. But, yeah. uh, I've, never, I've never known the long, slender No, it's fingers, always but... wraiths that come to you in nights who like, you know, menace you from across the room with their long fingers. And um, <laughs> it's never, never, a, uh, never a positive... Um, positive tactic but we're also we're, we're led to believe that uh lady arabella has some untoward stuff about her um so i guess that checks out with her description it's not the insanely hot alicia or the guy in armada's mom yeah this is a little bit of a backwards thing i think in uh, i i thought because she pulls up in a carriage and the carriage has a broken spring on it and uh it made me think only after the fact of, I guess it's the uh, the White Witch in uh, hmm. in uh, C.S. Lewis's Chronicles of Narnia, you know, tempting the children with the you know the sledge pulling up and giving them candy and taking right. them to a white castle. But this woman is just like, "Hey, I'm broken down. How you guys doing?" <laughs> and then you learn, kind of bit by bit, that like she's this evil, slender witch. Woman. Right? Yes, exactly. But it's not that's just not apparent to me right away. Was it to you? Like, well, you, you didn't pick up on on this vivid description. She was clad in some kind of soft white stuff. <laughs> <laughs> I guess I should have. Yeah. yeah, you're right. So you're therefore, right. yeah, evil, evil incarnate, evil snake witch. <laughs> but th- and then, so yeah, this this you get the long hands are introduced after this very peculiar uh, uh, event happens. He Adam gets out. He's going to help her fix her her wagon or whatever. He was gathering the tools from which he had been using when he noticed that several black snakes had crawled out from the heap of stones and were gathering round him. This naturally occupied his mind. I mean, (laughs) that checks out, I guess. If snakes had started emerging from a stone sculpture and were circling around you, you you might find that occupying your thoughts. But then he he notices Lady Arabella, who had opened the door of the carriage, slipped from it with a quick gliding motion. Hmm. She was already among the snakes when he called out to warn her. But there seemed to be no need of warning. The snakes had turned and were wriggling back to the mound as quickly as they could. All the same, he began to beat on the ground with a stick, which was lying close to him with the instinct of one used to such vermin. In an instant, he was alone beside the mound with Lady Arabella, who appeared quite unconcerned at the incident. So she just run, glides out of her carriage into the midst of these snakes who then repel back to their to their stone mound that they live in. I did not know that snakes made their home in, in stone, you know, cairns at the side of the road. I didn't know that either, in that they sort of traveled in packs and came out as one, and I'd never seen this behavior, so I didn't know <laughs> Only it. Only on Whacking Day has that ever been on The Simpsons, where they, uh, right. were they ever traveling in such a thing. But, uh, yeah, bizarre. You uh, skipped over a, a moment, and I'd like to offer it as a challenge to both yourself and to uh, our listeners. Uh, he laughed to himself behind his teeth as he whispered, no need to fear there. They seem much more afraid of her than she of them. Oh, my God. So please, uh, please give me that. If you need the words again, no need to fear there. They all seem much more afraid of her than she of them. But he laughed to himself behind his teeth as he whispered. So you have to do it simultaneously. Oh my God. All right. Well, if there I, go. What do you if got I choke me? and stuff, uh, send someone to do the island. Like... And then you have to say Ogden before <laughs> and after the sentence. <laughs> no need to fear here. She 
No, they appear to be as uh, scared of her as they are of him. <laughs> that is bizarre. That is, that is All right. creepy. I give, I, Behind I his 8.5. I like wow. that. Wow. <laughs> little Charles Nelson Riley. And then, uh, yeah. Yeah, I don't know how that worked. That, that one stuck out to me. Wow. Uh, so yeah, we, right, right off the bat, we've got long fingers, we've got gliding towards snakes, but, uh, other than that, there's nothing to, uh, to, to find suspicious about this woman. Oh, except her husband was rich when she married him or seemed to be when he committed suicide, it was found that he had nothing left <laughs> and the estate was mortgaged up to the hilt. Her, her only hope now is a rich marriage. Um, and, uh, then it, it goes on to, you know, Adam is surprised by this and, uh, he says he himself was a rich man. How rich? Not even his uncle had the least idea and would have been surprised had he known. But like, you know, he did mentions his thousand horses that he, you know, <laughs> yes. he was he was, you know, sort sort of unaware of like, you know, like I would be like, "Oh, I I, I did have this uh I did have this, you know, copy of this book. I forgot I, I forgot I had a copy of Confederacy of Dunces lying around." Huh. That's what he did with his pack of thousand horses. Right. <laughs> so i think his uncle might have some inkling you know that this might be (laughs) i think he probably does and the uh the idea that he's setting up laying it on really thick here is that she is delighted to go see this caswell Mm -hmm. who's going to be you know coming for this big party and uh so they all meet uh no they go to meet caswell which is bizarre right like they don't really know this guy so yeah, they they're going go to... to the dock at Liverpool. Yeah, and they go to the landing stage, and uh, this was this was a funny thing where they bury the lead. The newcomer, this is Mister Caswell, the yeah. guy returning who had had the vicious, deep, ferocious argument that was trivial. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, not him, but some progeny Someone, of some them. Some hairy necked guy. Uh, the newcomer received them graciously and said, what a pleasure it was to be coming home after so long an absence of his family from their old seat. Adam was pleased at the warmth of the reception, but he could not avoid a feeling of repugnance at the man's face. <laughs> Again, burying the lead. Right. Like, I walked aboard, and this guy, I wanted to throw up when I saw this, you know, just vomit pile of his gross, disgusting face. Nice guy. Right. I mean, really nice. Other than that, just a, yeah, a delightful thing that I was to be a part. I was happy to be a part of. Glad we drove to Liverpool. I mean, you know, the, the, uh, the veil, it was not great. It was, <laughs> it was as promised, a right. pretty mediocre. I barely noticed it, but this guy's face. Right. But like you get, you get this tidbit too, which, uh, again, if we're, if we're comparing this to talking through time, Caswell looked indeed a savage, but a cultured savage. So potentially wow. the uh, potentially the real savages. I'm not sure. <laughs> I know. I don't know. Uh, but like, yeah. Well, so his... I think this uh, this author makes much more clear who the <laughs> yeah. real savages are. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, let's get right to that. We've, we 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 have the uh, again this book uh, uh, 1910 or whatever. Um, you know, and so very much a a a, a product uh, a negative product of its time but then again uh you know bram stoker uh, a thinker i guess a, a an author who probably could have uh, could have challenged some of these uh cultural things if he had if he had been willing however <laughs> he leans into the absolute worst uh that you could uh, that you could take away from this with his uh, introduction of ulanga 
Ah, uh, yes. The face of Ulanga, as his master <laughs> called him, was unfo- unreformed, unsoftened savage, and inherent <laughs> in it were all the hideous possibilities of a lost, devil-ridden child of the forest and the swamp, the lowest of all created things that could be regarded as in some form ostensibly human. Dial it back. Yeah, boy. You're starting at 11 here to uh, to describe how much you dislike this guy. Holy cow. Right. I mean, the idea of the... I mean, no, probably a little less repugnant. I don't know. I'm not going to grade these things. The noble savage? Uh, (laughs) Could we start there and then determine that he's not so noble? No. An unformed subhuman entity. Oh, Lord. Yeah, I mean, he's just like, you know, waggling his tongue and, 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 and baring his, you know, teeth that he's... Sh- like, how is this possible? Teeth sharpened to fangs, oozing sores. Like, what do you... And yeah, again, like, you're, you're, you're going to need to have somewhere to go here because uh, Ulanga not going to come across as a, as a good character. So if this is just him, you know, yawning as he gets off a boat ramp, uh, it's going to be hard to escalate it from here. But uh, he gets right on his hands and knees and starts bowing to Lady Arabella. Uh, again, you know, just another, another red flag. There are, uh, yeah, plenty of plenty of red flags. But what if, uh, I mean, I don't know. Look, I'm not going to put myself in the mind of the author or anything, but what if he had been a cultured gentleman uh, and then we learn that he's evil or whatever? That I'm Again, I don't know which is better. I'm just saying <laughs> it's so bizarre a story element to just start right. with. This guy is obviously an evil demon from hell. <laughs> Yeah, and then now let's then old, see where it goes from here. Right, then old uh, Beelzebub lumbered down the ramp after him, his cloven hooves clacking all the way. I thought to myself, this does not look like a good guy, and turns <laughs> out he was not. He was he was the devil, and uh, and and wrought evil upon mankind. So, yes. <laughs> very very compelling storytelling. Uh, what is compelling storytelling is is the subplot that happens next, which up until this point, you know, it had been pretty standard, pretty standard uh, 27-year-old travels across the ocean to live with his great uncle who decides to start referring to him as his son uh, material. Then yeah, you exactly. then you get yawn, please. We've heard it, but go on. Yeah. Then you get this uh, introduction, which just delighted me. I want to find out where Ross, the animal merchant, lives because <laughs> yes. I want to take a small animal home with me, if you don't mind. He is only a little thing and will be no trouble. Well, of course not, my boy. What kind of animal is that you want? A mongoose. <laughs> a mongoose? What on earth do you want it for? To kill snakes. And uh, so, yeah, he goes, Adam goes. He he visits Ross, the animal merchant, who, as we all know, the docks are, are where you go to buy your exotic animals in this time. Uh, there's always an animal merchant to be found. And uh, when Ross, this is, this is, this is where it truly truly started to amaze me when ross heard what he wanted he asked do you want something special or will an ordinary mongoose do <laughs> um, he said and adam responds well of course i want a good one but i see no need for anything special it is for ordinary use uh, i will be for what i'm going to be haunted by what the special one might have been uh well Look, the old man, he goes, uh, he he gives his mongoose description of what he's going to buy. And he, he goes, oh, good. The old man remembered the mound of stones. No explanation was needed. And I just <laughs> thought, you know, I wish my own mongoose purchasing required no explanation to <laughs> yes. my wife. Right. Honey, 
Gonna go into town, getting another uh, mongoose. What? Oh, here comes you know, the third degree. Like, <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> right. You know, Adam did not get questioned like this in right. Lair of the White Worm. Right. In fact, they asked him if he wanted a special one or not. <laughs> and you know, the you know, again, an an, an untoward reader might you know in in, in infer some you know, a special one, uh, a, a, a trained mongoose. So it, you know, is is that what when when Richard Gear went to the pet store oh, to buy a gerbil was he <laughs> was he inquiring about? Do you want do you want an ordinary one that runs around in a in a in a wheel, or do you want the special one, sir? Oh, wink, wink, Mister Gear. <laughs> Don't use gear. Oh, right. Uh, <laughs> So so yeah he 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 buys he buys the mongoose uh he uh he he brings it back and then we get a a, a delightful exchange uh wait wait before you do that I would like to point out that that previous uh paragraph that you read I want to find out where Ross the animal merchant lives <laughs> to take a small animal home with me I think word for word a line from friends season 3 uh, Ross and his little monkey. Remember that? <laughs> yes, Marcel the monkey. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, all right, go on. But yeah, he gets back and uh, Sir, Nan- Sir Nathaniel said, hello, what have you got there? A mongoose. What for? To kill snakes. Sir Nathaniel laughed. So the you know, we've just got some, they, they're just, you know, they're, they're like, they're like father and son at this point in time. Just, just these familial exchanges. Everyone's in a good mood, buying mongooses, laughing. Oh, my boy. <laughs> of course you're going to. Of course you're buying a mongoose. Right. You don't mind if I stop by the mongoose dealer? Why would I? Stop even explaining it. Right. Um, and then we get, uh, they, they sort of, we, we had another one of these things where it's, uh, have you heard, uh, by any chance, heard the other name, which was given long ago to Lady Arabella's uh, place, Diana Grove? No, sir. It was called... Oh, look here. This subject wants a lot of talking over. Suppose we wait till we are alone and have lots of time before us. Um, so there. This is an absolute trope of this book of just like, let's put a pin in it. Let's go to bed. <laughs> right. That should wait till breakfast. Have a nap, son. Your mind isn't quite right. It just goes on and on. Yeah, it's like the uh, it's like the old Batman serials or something. Just, you know, we'll, we'll or a soap opera. We'll advance this story uh in, as opposed to how any normal human being would we have to parcel this out after over uh you know one episode a day so we can't reveal too much at one time it's like the uh, there's kind of a trope in the um in old movies and things like you know especially with women like you can't handle this information and and bridget and i always laugh in an old movie when we see like I was so upset. I I don't know. I didn't even know what to think. Oh, John, you'll have to do the thinking for us. <laughs> like, wait, what? Wow. I mean, you don't just lose your faculties at all right. just because there's a little stress or whatever. But that seems to be that was very much of the age. Like, you can't. Let's not talk about that now. Let's, uh, you know, have a hearty meal. And right, like, you're hysterical, no, you know. dear. Yes. Uh, but so we get, he goes through the, uh, uh, he goes through the crowd and he sees the attractive women, right? Yeah. So we we get this line, he was young and a man and a stranger from a far distance. So on all these accounts, he naturally took stock (laughs) rather of the women than of the men. And of these, those who are young and attractive. Sure. (laughs) Thank you for reminding us how human beings (laughs) Right. act in any given situation i had forgotten how 
humans uh, worked. So uh, that reminder is good. And they could have left it at young and a man. They didn't need to introduce the creepy aspect of, oh, and a stranger from a far distance. You know, so he's he's, you know, in his trench coat, like peering at them from underneath, you know, uh, beyond the collar of these two uh, hot young ladies. Uh, Yes. um, What is it? Mimi and Lily? Mimi and Lilla. Yeah. Lilla. Yeah. Well, we'll get to them. But (laughs) uh, yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, I, I got him right now if you are got anything else. I think this is at yeah, the... You got him right now. Bring him on. Let's I, go. I think they've gone to a party at this point in time they, at the, the Caswell Estate. I think they've traveled back and these, these two show up. The other two were good-looking girls, one of a little over 20, the other not quite so old. So soon as Adam's eyes met those of the younger girl, which stood nearest to him, some sort of electricity flashed, that divine spark which begins by recognition and ends in obedience. Men call it love. <laughs> so he's uh, uh, his views on love and relationships are as enlightened as his views on Ulonga. <laughs> yes, uh, but yeah, just that that sort of a weird uh, weird way of phrasing that at the end as a needless artistic flourish on uh, Stoker's part, I think. Yeah, and he goes into so the the uh, you know the race, the stock of these two, <laughs> and there's. Um, uh, it's a long story. I can't follow the trend of it, but uh, the there's a few of good one details. Of them, yeah, the mother and the infant died on the same day, uh, and I just thought that that sounds like something more interesting than rock piles and what stock people are for. Let's get to that because she was. It wasn't at childbirth. It was she died. She was less like less than eight a year months old. old. Yeah, yeah she whatever. died when she was less than a year old. His wife died on the same day. She is a good girl, as good as she is pretty. Uh, it's like, <laughs> Wait a minute. Yeah. Wait, what? This <laughs> sounds fascinating and grim and tragic and horrible, but what the hell happened? Right. Like, it's, a, no, it's a reverse it quick over. swift situation who uh, met, his, <laughs> met his wife on the same day he married her. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> but again, something, you know, interesting. And again, obviously it's, it's macabre, but I want to hear it. Right. But but nope, that is but a detail. <laughs> uh, but then he introduces the other daughter, who has an interesting backstory as well. The other daughter, Mimi, is Burmese. She was adopted. Uh, no, real, uh, no real sense of what happened to her or how that deal, how she was Burmese, why she was over there. But she then went through the same process as this guy, where an old man came and adopted her um, and uh, brought her back to... Uh, wherever they're hanging out. Uh, it says the only thing that upsets Mimi uh, is when anything happens to injure or threaten or annoy Lilla. Then her eyes glow as do the eyes of a bird when her young are menaced. And that is uh, how that chapter ends with that other very intriguing detail that he neglects to elaborate on. Yeah. Well, he starts it earlier with, and I have it, uh, I can post a picture of it. I stamped it with a firm settle down <laughs> on the stock and race thing. Strange how different they are. Lilla, all fair, like the old Saxon stock from which she is sprung. Mimi, showing a trace of her mother's race. <laughs> Lilla is as gentle as a dove, but Mimi's black eyes can glow whenever she's upset. <laughs> all right. <laughs> uh, Mimi, have you met Ulonga? <laughs> Seems like you two belong together. <laughs> right. Yeah, the, uh, once, you, once you get into stuff that's actually viciously racist, the, the reoccurrence of the term race popping up every now and then sticks out even more as a sore thumb than it did originally. Yeah, and I, I wondered, what is uh, 
stock race? What? Uh, how fine are we uh, trimming all this stuff here? I think we know what we're getting at, but right. <laughs> uh, but it does. Uh, is it a term of art when you're talking about stock versus race? Uh, <laughs> let's have more information, Mister uh, Bram. Right. It's the sort of thing that maybe people in 1913 would have been like, you know, in the diner, someone they don't like walks past them and be like. Well, you know, their stock, and then people are like, oh, like we understand their, you know, as opposed yeah, you to. Can, you can <laughs> flutter the uh, the little uh, handkerchief and go, oh, yes, uh, yeah, of course. Uh, whereas <laughs> our stock. Right. <laughs> wink, wink, yes. Um, uh, the, yeah, that's the, uh, that's what I've got there. Yeah, and then we get into it. We're at the heart of the book then. Yeah, and so. Chapter in true, five. In true, chapter five, the layer of the white worm. Or the white worm, but uh, in true Bram Stoker fashion, let's uh, let's just mention that there's something interesting coming, and then take a break to read some fanfic. All right. So uh, earlier in the week, uh, a listener named Lucas had compiled uh, statistics, pretty much about all the real or fanfic segments we've done. He went back and listened to them all and wrote down the hit rate, which was like. Uh, like something like 56% or something. So, oh, so far, it has been nearly almost impossible to differentiate the uh, things our listeners write to try to fool us from the actual books we've been reading. Uh, will that hold up in this book? I don't know. This one's pretty distinct. I I just... Uh, this, Lucas did that? <laughs> yes. He listened to all of them? Oh, Lucas, thank you so much. I uh, <laughs> I admire the... Uh, my boy... Is it okay, Lucas, if I call you my son? Yes. Would that L- be all right? Lucas, here is the diaper and uh, pacifier. You can join us on our cruise. And I uh, feel a deep, deep connection with you, Lucas. And uh, look, it's not a great veil, Lucas. Why are you putting that on me? But I, anyway. I right. see L- Lucas has unshared the documents uh, deleted his google account and twitter presence and changed his email already oh, wow. uh so yeah we've got uh we're gonna have five passages either from uh later in layer of the white worm or fanfic that our listeners uh have come up with themselves and so they've surmised the tropes and style of bram bram stoker <laughs> Uh, and uh, are trying uh, to Ca- Cos- Coswell Stoker Caswell Stoker I don't know Ogden Stoker uh, Bram Stoker Joker Midnight Toker and uh, they have uh, come up with these uh, these fanfics and so you're going to guess uh, after each one whether it is real or a fanfic let's start with number one Sir, right. Na- Sir Nathaniel continued indeed I was quite the celebrated phrenologist in my day, and though I have no caliber in hand, I believe I can venture the conclusion that man and manservant share the same cranial architecture in every particular, brought into sympathetic coherence over long years of exposure to the savage African climes of the African continent. This Ulanga seems an appendage of his master. The one thinks, and the other carries out his will." I cannot but wonder that some telepathic resonance or other mechanism beyond the ken of modern science is manifested in the pair. (laughs) I'm going to venture a couple things here. This is going to be, I'm putting myself out there. Oh boy. I feel like this is uh, Heather dangling phrenologist in front of me, knowing my psychology, but this is fan fiction. (laughs) All right. Uh, So I'm going way out on a limb. I'm I'm, I'm not only declaring it not his writing. You're guessing the author. Yes. Wow. Wow. All right. You know, she's that's how deep she is in my head. 
all right, let's do number two. The only comfort was the arrival the next morning of a strong packing case, locked from Ross, the key being in the custody of Davenport. In the case were two smaller boxes, both locked. One of them contained a mongoose to replace that killed by Lady Arabella. The other was the special mongoose, which had already killed the King Cobra in Nepal. <laughs> when both the animals had been safely put under lock and key, he felt he might breathe more freely. No one was allowed to know the secret of their existence in the house. Oh, damn it. <laughs> you know, you said 56%. I'm surprised I ever hit that high. Um <laughs> Ah, the special mongoose is, again, <laughs> damn it. Now that I look back, this could be Heather. Damn you, Heather! Uh, that's uh, fanfic. All right, special mongooses. <laughs> uh, uh, number, number three. Adam's eyes surveyed the vertex of the structure. Sir Nathaniel continued, You see, my boy, it is here that Hadrian's wall, or the Vallum Hadriane, reaches its zenith. And observe in the distance the still perceptible main spire of Castro Regis, in exact opposition to the indicated turret. Indeed, it is to be surmised that the presence of Castro Regis in some way discouraged the further advance of the Roman legions. Hearing this, Adam pondered how the otherworldly presence alluded to by Mr. Caswall might have dissuaded further leg legionary encroachment into the seemingly open veil. <laughs> <laughs> I. Oh, boy. I think this is fanfic, but I'm going to say that it's real because that's very good. That's very good. Because <laughs> how boring. The dryness entices me into saying that it's real. <laughs> um, uh, let's see. Number four, we have Adam's heart was in rebellion, yet he waited with quieted limbs for an opportune moment to interrupt. He was determined to withhold all evidence of his agitation from the diners at Lesser Hill. To all, most especially Caswall's men, he must appear unconcerned and bored. The black elemental gaze had fixed and held him from the moment Adam had entered the parlor in search of help. Presently, Sir Nathaniel gave him his opening, and Adam availed himself of it. The worm has been seen abroad, and I fear for Mimi, who has gone absent in search of her cousin. Oh, wow. Okay, so this causes me to change my aunt. This is unprecedented wow. in the history oh. of fanfic. Wow. Fanfic. Are we going to allow this? Yes, we are. Okay. I'm, All right. <laughs> as I'm doing. Okay. <laughs> I think number three was okay. fanfic. I said it was real. I'm changing my answer based Hadri on this. Hadrian's Wall, you think, was fanfic? Uh, the previous number yes. three. Yeah. Yes. Number four is real. Okay. All right, so now I have one more. I, right. I Look, this is all going to make me look very, very silly when it's over, but I'm risking it. Okay. Uh, number f this is number five and final. Uh, Correct. All day long, it would seem that the birds were coming thicker from all quarters. Doubtless many were going as well as coming, but the mass seemed never to get less. Each bird seemed to sound some note of fear or anger or seeking, and the whirring of wings never ceased nor lessened. The air was full of a muttered throb. No window or barrier could shut out the sound till the ears of any listener became dulled by the ceaseless murmur. So monotonous it was, so cheerless, so disheartening, so melancholy, that all longed, but in vain, for any variety, no matter how terrible it might be. Oh, shit. <laughs> so... <laughs> Uh, well, look, 
I, I write what I write. I think that that was real, too. You think there's going to be a birdemic later in the book? Uh, I don't know. It's, uh, you know, it must be easy, Mr. Fan Fiction, Mr. Miss, Mrs. <laughs> fan Fiction Writer, to just write down this stuff and laugh and cackle. <laughs> Imagine being in my spot. Wow. Sorry. Right, <laughs> I shouldn't have told you the hit rate. The fifty-six percent might have got to you. What would you have said your hit rate was uh, going into this? I would have thought forty-three. So oh, okay. I actually well, feel pretty good. Better than this. this is you feeling good then. All right. Well, let's get to it. Number one. Uh, number one. You. You. That was the one about uh, phrenology. Phrenology. You thought, you thought that was fanfic written by Heather. It was fanfic, but written by Richard. Oh, Richard, you are. I know Heather, sir, and you are no Heather. But no, that was great. Uh, you, number Richard. number two was the uh, arrival of the two boxes, one containing a mongoose, one containing a special mongoose. Uh, you said fanfic. That is, in fact, real. God! So, no. so mongooses, which... Uh, we'll, we'll, Wait. <laughs> the classifications of mongai are, are major, a big plot. Major plot point. And we, I guess, learn why it makes it special. It's killed a king cobra in Nepal. Uh, <laughs> so, yeah, I we've knew got... that that was part of the uh, the lore when he wrote it, but I didn't think that that was worthy of return. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's going to be amazing. I cannot wait. When I So I, I went searching for fanfic, and I was like, well, we, we've just got to see if, if mongooses turn up again. And mongooses were like 25 more times other than what's been mentioned. <laughs> so as We've got that to look forward to. Uh, we have number three. This is the one that you switched. You thought was real when it was fanfic. The one about Hadrian's Wall. It is indeed fanfic. You were correct. Okay. Fanfic Oof. by Oof. Tom H. Uh, then we have number four, which you uh, deemed real after you heard it. The worm has been seen abroad, and I fear for Mimi. You thought it was real. It was fanfic by Marie. All right. And okay. And then we have number five, the uh, the Birdemic, which is happening. Uh, that is real, as you said. I guess that was a little bit of a tip-off, because why would any lunatic fanfic writer just start talking about a, a Birdemic without knowing that was coming? So, uh, well done. Three for five. Three for five? So, uh, I think just barely keeps me above yeah, water. Yeah, it'll keep, keep the percentage up there. But, uh, <laughs> yeah. I always like when these reveal of things to just absolutely look forward to in the upcoming uh, upcoming passages, so... It is it is stunning. Um, and when can we do a switch up where I just do it to you? Because uh, anytime you, you want to go through the emails, right, you're more this. than welcome. I will. I will. <laughs> this is you have to feel the pressure of it at some point. Sure, where... we'll do that for next week. All right, sounds good. Okay. Uh, yes. All right, we're on to the white worm. Chapter this is five, the, the heart of worm. it. Yes. Yeah. Shockingly, I have the I think the fewest notes about the chapter called yeah. the White Worm. Well, yeah, because we get sort of this uh, we get this this weird uh, Stoker esque uh, description of uh, this is where Adam you know essentially he he enters the parlor where his uh, his his grand uncles are sitting around smoking their pipes and eating walnuts uh, and he, um, he no they're they're you know the after dinner over walnuts and wine. <laughs> Right? Yeah, I get you, it. Yeah, yeah sure. Remember, you were here uh, <laughs> right. last week. Right. You, you, we uh, we had you. We had a nice dinner here. And remember? Trotted the, out Cracking the, the walnuts <laughs> when we had the wine after dinner. <laughs> remember you were looking at that bottle of wine the whole time we were eating dinner going, um, uh, yeah. should I? And I was like, no. And I slapped your hand a couple times. <laughs> I was looking at it like Wait a hawk for the looks walnuts. like a pigeon. Yes. <laughs> Well, yeah, so I that, of course, of course struck me as ludicrous and hilarious. And then I was like, oh, I guess that's where soup to nuts come from, that these 
stupid old people a hundred years ago would eat nuts after their dinner <laughs> before good desserts had been invented, I guess. So I was, yeah, that, that, that definitely stood out. And, uh, uh you know, I think we've, uh, I think we've improved on that. Now we have a uh, hostess snowballs. It reminded me of the, uh, I don't know. Did you, you, I'm, why am I even asking this? I'm sure you did not see the Laurel and Hardy movie. <laughs> Nope. The, the you know the biopic of the two, which was oh, it's actually no. pretty good. It's new if you like Laurel and Hardy, which I know you do not. So <laughs> yes. don't you know skip it. But sure, there a famous bit of theirs was he's in the hospital in traction from something that Stan Laurel did to him. So he's in full traction, <laughs> and he brings him a gift, and he brings him hard boiled eggs and walnuts, and that is the big joke. So. They replayed that a lot in the movie. That was like their bit that they did. But it reminded me. That's of funny. That. Yeah, sure. Yeah. yeah so yeah. I'm, I'm imagining they're sitting around like crack. You know, they're cracking these walnuts because pre-shelled walnuts didn't exist. So that's, uh, that's, that's where our hero finds them as he, as he enters agitated about a, uh, an interesting incident that we get to hear about uh, secondhand. Um, he, he enters. He's all worked up about Mr. Caswell. He calls him a stupid ass, which is funny. Um, and uh, he. He says, uh, "I can hardly explain." He's upset because because Coswell is is horning in on his uh, is horning in on his horniness towards Mimi and Lilla. Uh, I can hardly explain. I can only say that he looked like a hawk and she like a dove. And now that I think of it, that is what they each did look like, and so looked like in their normal condition. Uh, which I I guess I just burnt it, but that was one of my dumb sentences of the week. He says they looked like a hawk and dove, and <laughs> then upon saying that, realizes that that is what they look like. And that's what they usually look like. So he's a moron. Uh, wait, is that sentence in, that's in the white worm and not, I don't have that one written down, and not in the next chapter, the hawk and the dove? <laughs> we get several descriptions of this event. It was so uh, monumentous when it happened that you'd think we would have maybe seen it in real time. But no, we get uh, secondhand and then recounting of the secondhand. It's it's bizarre because I thought that, wasn't he into, uh, he's into Mimi, right? Yes, he, he he wants to take her voyage. Uh, <laughs> I, was, we, I I set you up for that. Yes, uh, um, but uh, but he's really upset that she's he's staring at Lilla. Yes, but as we so learned, I, I guess last, you just feel yeah. yeah. As last chapter, the only thing that upsets Mimi is when anything happens to injure or threaten or annoy Lilla. Then her eyes glow as do the eyes of a bird when her young are menaced. Well, we know why. Because of her stock. Am I right? (laughs) So so Mimi's eyes glow like a bird when Mr. Caswall, the hawk, looks at Lilla as if she is a dove. So (laughs) if that's not straightforward, I don't know what to tell you. Uh, and there's a birdemic coming up, so we'll right. uh, this will all make sense. Uh, but so we get we start to get explanation. I think we're in the drawing room again, right? We're just sitting there talking to old men again. Yes. Yeah, and we get this. Uh, so I, I want you to, Connor. This is another challenge to you. And next week you'll have the fanfic, a real challenge. But right now you're going to take this one. Okay. Tell me what you know of either of these well-known legends. Here, here are the two. The well-known legend of the Wormwell of Lambton Castle. <laughs> you want to take that first, or you want to think about that while I give you the second one? Uh, I think that's the one where uh, uh, Ricky Tiki Tembo Nosa Rumbo Charibari Ruchi Pipere Pembo, his brother, fell down the well, the Wormwell of Lambton Castle, and he had to. That run is back. wrong. Let's move on to the Laidly Worm of Spindleton Hugh near Bamborough. Oh. Your thoughts? <laughs> oh, I mean the Laidly Worm. Uh, 
He's the one that uh, drives around busy town in an apple. That's right, right. Richard Scarries. Yeah. Yes, you got one out of two. Not <laughs> bad. You're at fifty percent for the very well-known legends of worms, which uh, I find this whole chapter hilarious because of the. So you name your book the Lair of the White Worm, right? And everyone has their, you know, we all know what a worm is. Sure. So stop, you know, okay, enough said. It's a worm. It's white. I get it. I've seen worms. No, 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 no. This is from the old Latin where worm means something else. Unbelievable. There's like a paragraph explaining, no, I'm sorry. I, I called my uh, my horror book the chipmunk of Chesilteague Pike. And uh, no, chipmunks, they used to be these terrifying creatures. With huge teeth. You're thinking of a little squeaky thing that runs through the yard with with the adorable ears? No, 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 no. Uh, hilarious, I think. Oh, it's it's amazing. It's like, you know, it's 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 hard not to imagine uh Norm MacDonald just, you know, hey, uh, you know, it's 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 what I've always thought Dracula was missing. Worm taxonomy. <laughs> <laughs> it's good. I mean, it, it literally in the if you, if you're not reading in the dawn of the language, the word worm had a somewhat different meaning from that in use today. It was an adaptation of the Anglo-Saxon worm with a Y, <laughs> meaning dragon or snake, or from the Gothic warmus, a serpent, or the Icelandic ormer, or the German worm with a U. He just you know the the, the old guys are sitting around explaining him you know the the root words of you know Webster's defines worm as. But also, it was this or this or this. Now, I don't know. I'm not a linguist. The Icelandic and the Gothic and the Anglo-Saxon and the German, are they all same family? Or is it just going like... Oh, please. Same race. Oh, yes. Stock. I'm sorry. Stock. (laughs) Um, But yeah, so they, they, yeah, they, to me, they all, it all seems very clear that, you know, as in, you know, Spanish and Italian are romance languages, right? They, those all seem like they came from the same basic thing because they all sound identical. Yeah. Well, um, look, clearly worm in any language in the old days meant giant, scary thing. (laughs) And now, so when you think of thing that my uh my kindly dad helps me put on a small hook to uh to snare a sunfish and we take a picture and it becomes a uh, a family day that we feel warmly about you're wrong you had a monster on the end of your hook <laughs> right and they get into they get they get into why essentially but first before that you you know you just turned the tables on me well surprise i'm i'm going to turn the tables on you what? what? <laughs> it says. Uh, so we talked about those great legends that we're all familiar with, um, but uh, now we now we get this. In both of those legends, uh, the worm was a monster of vast size and power, a veritable dragon or serpent, such as legends attributes to vast fens or quags. So, what's your favorite fen legend? Uh, um, <laughs> and then what's your favorite um, quag? Just, I mean. It's unfortunately, unfortunately, on the spot, it's hard to pick, you know. Unfortunately, I know what fens are. Damn it. Because of, but I, I only learned it probably in my 20s because it is a regional thing in, in England, like a flood, a vast flooded place. Hmm. 
because of the composer, one of my favorites, Rafe Vaughn Williams, has a piece called In the Fen Place. <laughs> okay. And All so, right. I, well, I okay, had to look so it up. I can't slumdog be, billionaire moment of... <laughs> I can't be listening to a piece of music going, what in the name of hell is a fen? And quag, I assume, is like a quagmire, like a deep, muddy hole. Okay. So, am, I, okay. am I right or am I? Uh, yeah, well, yeah. I mean, so all the legends about deep muddy holes that we're all familiar with. <laughs> well, I've never heard any legends <laughs> about them. I've heard the fact that you probably shouldn't, you know, step into a deep muddy hole. But sure. that's about all. That's the only legend I know of it. Well, so they uh, they they do get into that, I guess, and it, it makes sense bearing this out because they they start talking about holes of abysmal depth that are sort of all over, I guess, this countryside. And then the uncle says there must have been places and conditions which made for greater longevity in these big holes, greater size, and greater strength than usual. So the the uncle is essentially saying, "Look, there are a few big holes around here. Uh, therefore, giant worms." Yes, therefore antediluvian monsters must be in them because they are deep. So I guess if you are, you know, you've seen the kids on the beach where they just dig a deeper and deeper hole. Mm -hmm. So if the kid digs just deep enough monster right obviously gets, will gets... will somehow find its way in there. <laughs> yeah so the uncle is pretty much presenting these things he says they're legends but i you know he's like but I, you know it's like a, your your uncle at the the thanksgiving table who's uh presenting a conspiracy theory you know i think there's something to this you know um yeah every you know every legend has some little kernel of truth at the beginning of it like the way that stocks and races were uh, formed <laughs> you know what i'm saying right <laughs> Uh, yeah, that's that's when you get up from the from the walnuts and leave your your uncle at the Thanksgiving table to go watch football. <laughs> yes, but look, he has he has a lot of backing information for this. Oh man, um, I remember meeting a distinguished man in <laughs> India who had the reputation of being a great shikari, <laughs> who told me that the greatest temptation he had ever had in his life. Yeah. What is what? I'm already thinking like, oh my gosh! Yeah, he was leave like, your wife and children for uh, someone you saw on in a movie. Yeah, he was at his friend's house, and there was a valuable object that he easily could have taken and got away with um, and sold to live comfortably, but he he decided not to do it. Walked to the the back of a building and saw an unguarded uh, truck, uh, you know, loading in the the bank bags, and thought to himself, God. Uh, I'm struggling to make it, and my wife is, uh, you know, she's got a lot of pressure on me. This would really take <laughs> off the... Pr- no, it's not that. It was to shoot a giant snake, which he had come across in the Tarai of Upper India. <laughs> he has lived the most temptation-free life of a saint up until this point. <laughs> He was on a tiger-shooting expedition, and as his elephant was crossing a nullah, as sure. our elephants always do, <laughs> it squealed. the The elephant or the I, the tiger, the elephant or the snake. I don't know. <laughs> I'm assuming it's the elephant. He looked down from his howdah mm-hmm. and saw that the elephant had stepped across the body of a snake, which was dragging itself th- through the jungle. Which I thought was a deep insult to the snake. Like I am moving through right, the jungle, yeah. you a hole. Right. I'm not. Yeah, I've gained a little weight, but I'm not dragging yeah. myself. He's not a he's not a far side guy in the desert, you know, in search of the next oasis. Right. 
yeah, so that was his temptation was to, I was going to shoot it, but I didn't. Yeah, so he... that's the he, greatest temptation I've ever had. And so, you know, I was like, what? why is this a temptation? He describes it as 80 or 100 feet in length, which, you know, come on. But he says, uh, the, the uncle says, well, I suppose you know that when you are after a tiger, it is a point of honor not to shoot at anything else as life may depend on it. I, I could have easily spined this monster, but I felt I must not. So with regret, I had to let it go. It ate 14 children in the village. <laughs> that, that is not part of it, but I imagine, you know, this, this snake was menacing some community that he, uh, they probably did not appreciate him uh, just sparing his honor in this tiger fight. Yeah, thanks. Thanks for that, buddy. I lost, uh, I lost <laughs> yeah. my whole family. The whole flock um, was, was, was consumed and uh, the snake moving on. Um, but uh, that, if you had just spined this thing, which is another <laughs> term that I like, okay, I guess hunters do that. They talk about spining it. I guess the, uh, well, it's coming up. There's another spining. I'll, well, I'll leave that for later. Probably once the, uh, once the community where the children got eaten, once they heard that it was, it, it was the greatest temptation of his life to, to not shoot it, they, they probably appreciated it a bit more, you know, yeah. that he was, that oh. he was mentally racked by this, this, this torture. I get it. I get it. Yep. You were on your nulla. You were going across. To, no, wait. You were crossing a nulla. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Right. yeah. And we, yeah, we've all been on a tiger hunt. We all understand the, the, the arcane points of etiquette about them. So, yeah, say no more. Uh, you are a shikaree. And so, yeah, I'll just let it go. My family's dead. Yeah. You want to uh, help us bury the 14 children? Uh, no, wait, no. I think I think I hear my elephant squealing. I got I to gotta run and attend to it. So. Yeah, and then he so after that whole story, convoluted as it is, he tries to do the switcheroo. So uh, you know, once I saw a uh, you know a three hundred pound man, uh, you know, therefore, <laughs> of course, there's one living under your bed. You right? Know, like, yes, wait, exactly. What? I, I don't get how this right. How does this track? And Adam presses him on it. He says, like, well, of course we have legends, but is not some more exact evidence necessary in a scientific investigation? And the uncle says, essentially, like, yeah, you know, I understand your point, but there were probably giant worms. <laughs> he's like, far, far be it for me to say that in more elemental times, things should not, could not have been. So he's essentially just like, yeah, I don't know. I just believe in the legends. Uh, he does uh, take pains to call him, my dear Adam. All you say is perfectly right. And were we starting on such an investigation, we would not do better than follow your reasoning. Oh, okay. So I won the argument. But, my dear boy. <laughs> right. But, my dear boy, you are wearing a nappy, so it's hard to take you seriously. <laughs> let's pull that uh, binky out of your mouth and let's get on with the argument in science. Uh, right. Of course, in the name of science. Right. Crack this walnut between thy butt cheeks, Adam. <laughs> My beloved dear Adam. <laughs> right. I cannot um, believe but, it only took $200 to lure you here. This is really, <laughs> really remarkable. Uh, but as always, I mean, I don't have a lot more notes here other than that we never do get to the white worm. Right. We nope. get a discussion of the uh, what worms are. But, uh, but here's a Bafo chapter ending. Oh, I think you just heard my phone going off. How yeah, professional fine. am I? Yeah. <laughs> it's it's done. Oh no, there it is. Here, wow. here the whole ring. I'm texting you uh, uh, pictures, pictures of, of Adam of a guy in a diaper, cracking yeah. walnuts between <laughs> his butt cheeks. Sorry, yeah, I found him pretty quickly. <laughs> Got him ready <laughs> to no. go. Here's the Bafo chapter ending. So after all of that, like worms, monsters, this is called the white worm. We never hear about the white worm, but we hear that. Wor you know, the uh, obviously we hear the. 
the name of the worm described in, uh, in Icelandic and German. Well, here comes the Bafo chapter ender. That such a time existed, we have evidences in geology, but there only. We can never expect proofs such as this age demands. We can only imagine or surmise such things, or such conditions, and such forces as overcame them. Oh my god. Ba-boom. <laughs> yeah, right. Drop the mic on that, huh? <laughs> Who right. wouldn't want to read on? <laughs> right. Any competent storyteller is like, but... I have proof that the white worm exists. End of chapter at night type of thing. But yeah, he goes into that Bob Craney and uh, definition of patriotism to, uh, it's to unbelievable. justify. Yeah, like, you, oh, you imagine there is not a white worm? I tell you now, boy, there is such a thing. And I, I have seen it. Chapter end. Right. Right. And so like, no, no, this is like, we don't have this type of proof and uh, geological proof would be helpful, too. But no, we don't have any of that. So the uh, ramblings of, uh, uh, you know, Beetle the Bard are all we're going to have to go with here. Who I believe anyway, Walnut. <laughs> I think, you know, another Walnut would be way better than the sort of torture. <laughs> the way that, he, you know, like uh, the the, the uh, clauses that come after we can only imagine or surmise such things or such conditions and such forces as overcame them? Oh, my God. Can you come up with a more boring sentence no, that? is that? really I, I wretched. I don't think you can. That is pure eye gloss over. Oh, now oh. I've just given uh, ammunition to uh, fanfic or real writers yeah. out there, and I'm doomed. Right, make them uh, all one sentence long and uh, uh, as, as boring as hell, and you've got Stoker's style right there. <laughs> yes. Well, that's, that's the end of that chapter. We can, uh, we can move on to Chapter 6, Hawk and Pigeon. Um, which was a uh i think that was one of the three helicopter shows on in 85 <laughs> or so hawk and pigeon right yes that was the uh that was the uh poor man's blue thunder which was the poor man's airwolf <laughs> right <laughs> um uh, yeah so this goes on for uh brother just like on more uninterrupted passages in sort of the trucking through time style but then it also has uh Again, very brief exchanges uh, about very cool stuff that happened off screen. Any news? Asked his uncle mechanically. For, for what? Asked Sir Nathaniel. Snakes, said Adam, helping himself to a grilled kidney. For snakes? I don't understand. <laughs> mongoose, said Adam, and then added explanatorily. I was out there with the mongoose just after three. So uh, he went out with a mongoose to kill snakes. We don't get that. We instead getting him coming in and just demurring about that fact as he reaches for a grilled kidney, which is a, <laughs> a, an all-time great stage direction. I'm not going to lie. That is one of my favorites. Up there with, uh, you know, said the uh, robot said pimp. The robot <laughs> pimp. I mean, as he reached for a grilled kidney. <laughs> But yeah, so they, the, the the one exciting thing happened. He killed snakes with a mongoose, and uh, then he just comes in, and uh, Adam went quietly on with his breakfast. Killing a few snakes in a morning was no new experience to him. <laughs> yes. What? <laughs> Again, a fascinating detail. He goes out in most mornings and kills snakes with a mongoose, and uh, this is sort of you know tossed in as he's just you know carving his uh, kidney into biteable chunks. Oh yeah, it's like when your uh you, you know your parents are bugging you for what you uh what you do tonight. You know you're home at ten thirty or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> Nothing. I went to the movie. What? What's the big deal? Right. Like where were you? I 
I took my mongoose out and I killed a bunch of snakes. God, shut up. (laughs) It's no big deal. But hey, I want to challenge you with uh, something again, speaking of challenge. But I'm I'm going to, this is delayed. I'm not going to tell you when I'm going to do this. Okay. But I'm going to describe it right now. Um, Mr. Salton said nothing. He simply held out his hand and the other took it and held it for a few seconds. <laughs> so at some point when I we're you know, together and we're discussing notes or something on riff tracks, I'm going to hold out my hand, <laughs> grab yours for a few seconds, and say nothing. And I'm just going to see how it goes. But you that, won't know when it's coming. That, that, yeah, that is far more chilling than anything we've read in this gothic horror story so far. <laughs> uh, so that is the old man to doing that to Adam? Yes. Okay. Yeah. Again. Exactly. Again. If you were to want to put on a different tinted glasses to examine this story, just we an- don't. A- we, another we clearly a- neither of us do. <laughs> another piece of evidence in that in the favor of that. So, <laughs> uh, yeah. That, this ch- this this was hard for me to read because they dance around these weird things where I I sort of knew what they're getting at, but it was it was just encaged in such impenetrable prose. Like he sort of says, do you know, uncle, if we have any second sight in our family? Uh, What in the Hebrides and other places where the sight is a cult, a belief is called the doom, uh, the court from which there is no appeal. So I think he's asking him if there's like if ESP runs in their family, but in this just sort of, you know. Yes, these are the guys who they're they're clearly like this era of, um, you know, Britain in that time was you know science they're all about you know exploration and science and this is the this is the age of darwin and empiricism and all of that and so hey uncle do we have any second sight in our family and he goes <laughs> not that i've ever heard about why <laughs> that's a, so that's a normal question it could have been um yeah you know i had a cousin who could see into the future and move right. things with his mind <laughs> Right. Is that that's what he was expecting apparently. Right. And all they needed was like some like weird legend because they just talked about worm legends for a page and a half, but they didn't know. Oh no, yeah, there's not even like a great great granduncle who uh yeah, exactly, was was locked up in a sanatorium or something. Uh this will give a little more this is a sentence that'll give fuel to uh I'm going to call it your theory of how this book <laughs> is going. Well, what? The, the old man skilled in the human heart did not attempt to argue in such a matter. <laughs> So this old man is—he is just slaying it. I yeah, mean, he is crushing it. Yeah, <laughs> he's uh, he's read the secret. He's 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 got the dentist theory down. So he's he's a master of <laughs> negging. He negs. Uh, um, yeah. Uh, but yeah, he. So what he's what he's upset about is he 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 picked up on some weird stuff that Mister Coswell was putting down. He he goes back to his encounter. He says he kept his eyes fixed on Lilla in a way which was quite intolerable to any man who might hold her dear. Was there anyone else who noticed? Mimi did. Her face flamed with anger as she saw the look. And this is where, again, he says it was as a a, a, a hawk uh, giving a look to a dove. And so you, what I interpreted it was that he is sort of like he's hexing her. He's like putting her in his thrall um, is what he's trying to do. That's yeah, I, mean. I, I think that's what it is. He's like doing the Svengali. He's doing a weird Svengali thing. But they dance around it. Like you said, it took me a while to realize because he's going like, was he... You know, looking at her, like, giving her, like, the, you know, raising his eyebrows and going, you and I are going to get it on later. Right, it's yes. like, 
over ardent or too admiring or what? Yeah, Was exactly. it the look of a lover or one who fain would be? <laughs> and he's like, no, 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 it no. wasn't that. Yeah. His tongue and, lolled and, out across the table and he yeah, exactly. hit himself on the head with a chair. Was there a clown hammer of any kind? <laughs> Did his feet stay off the floor for more than a minute? <laughs> right. Well, he uh, whistled loudly between his fingers. <laughs> um, but so as he... As he then goes on to describe this, we had another uh, one of my one of my favorite um, point of point of clarifications in all the books we've ever read. He says the the look was not amatory, like it was not lustful. No, the look I mean was nothing of that kind. And so long as it did not lack proper respect, I should not, of my own part, condescend to notice it. Did you ever study the eyes of a hound? And his uncle replies, "At rest." <laughs> 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 so he needs to. Well, he's, he's, I, look, he's, I'm not slicing that thin, uh, Uncle. Um, yeah, exactly. He's got an answer for him, but he just needs to. He needs some further information before he can. He can mention. I've, I've studied plenty of hounds' eyes, but not at rest. <laughs> I'm not insane here. What you asked? Like, yeah. why, why are you now? You're oh, oh, now. Oh, it's weird to study the eyes of a hound both at rest and, you know, let's say if the hound is giving birth to pups or let's say it's, uh, you know, getting busy with another hound. Yes, I've studied them all. Is that so wrong? He reaches behind his chair and produces, you know, volume four of, you know, my study of hound's eyes. <laughs> but just, you know, he, he, he pauses halfway before he, he needs to know if he needs to reach for volume six, which is the, the hound's rest uh, appendix. Stamped above the every volume of it is a science journal, uh, Hound Eyes. Uh, <laughs> look, boy, this is pure science. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I I don't even remember what was what what the what purpose of that question was because I was just deterred by that. So that's all I've got for this chapter. <laughs> well, I I would just like to give the uh, the another Bafo chapter close. <laughs> Here we go. We're talking about Hound's Eyes, and we're talking about uh, the guy mesmerizing a woman who he then he he buried the lead in the earlier version of it, where one of them fainted on the floor and the other screamed and all of this stuff. <laughs> but here's how we wrap it up. I think it would be well if we all thought over this by ourselves. Then we can renew the subject. <laughs> Ba, ba, ba. <laughs> right let's uh let's go and think about something that's going to be our uh yeah our, our cliffhanger retiring Ro- to roger our daltrey scream and uh <laughs> and then we we get right into the credits <laughs> wow man yeah he knows how to end them uh yeah well we're only up to chapter seven my god yeah we should wrap this up all right well let's let's get through it uh <laughs> We'll, we'll try to keep this quick, and we, we can do that because Chapter 7 is, is titled Ulanga, and one, one person wrote in to, who, who titled it Racism, the chapter. So uh, maybe we can uh, maybe we can yeah not touch on some of the, the grossness that we do have to get into to, to, to Ulanga here because it, it was fairly interesting. But, yes, um, <laughs> uh, there's... Uh... Uh, boy, yeah. <laughs> uh, we're, but- we're gonna we're gonna dance around this. If you if you are reading it, you understand. If you're you're not, it's just pretty much pure racism. Sure. Um, but first, before that, we get uh, we get uh, oldism. Oh man, this is great. I mean, so <laughs> <laughs> any new matter 
is trying to old people. <laughs> he says about his friend, and they're yeah. the same age. <laughs> uh, I was I, like, I am jacked as an old person. <laughs> I'm not scared of any new thing at all. <laughs> I mean, I, I I took it as a comforting reassurance that some things never change. <laughs> But yeah, he goes on, there's like a couple paragraphs about it. Like, look, we can't talk to uh, your beloved uncle of my same age because, you know, he's old and uh, it's, right. it's very weird. Right. I've been pressing him to change that AOL address for email address for years, but he just, he's stuck in his ways, you know. <laughs> he's been, uh, he hasn't used it, but he has been paying for MSN.com. Uh, <laughs> um but he says, uh, he also says, your uncle is a strong man and with a very happy and placid nature. Then, like, why are you couching all this crap? Let's just bring him down here. <laughs> We've been eating walnuts, drinking wine, and talking about this garbage for, like, six chapters. Let's right. just do it more. Right. Uh, it's, yeah. The, 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 uh, it's, like, uh, it's like Abe Simpson selling out uh, uh the old guy who lives in there. Yeah, they're the exact same right. age and they're doing the exact same thing. And they both are, you know, sitting around yeah, having walnuts and wine together. Yeah. Um, so we, we this was funny. I thought we got a, a, his third description of Caswell staring at Lilla. Uh, and just uh, it says after a bit of it, uh, she trembled and after a bit got so pale that I thought she had fainted, which I thought was a, a very strange thing for him to be unsure of. It's like, how are you? <laughs> did she did, did her knees buckle and she fell to the ground unconscious? Because otherwise... Um, I, I would not, I would not think that someone had fainted. And if they did do that, I would be pretty sure that they had fainted. Right. This is not a thing you, you are mistaken about generally. But the other thing about it is that he, he continually reminds them that nothing about the whole situation with this dude who's clearly like just a, you know, a demon from hell, like ensnaring all these women, nothing about it was untoward or, or, uh, you know, broke the, the morals of our, I was like, what? People are feigning, falling on the ground, screaming. Yeah. Uh, but it was all done very much on the up and up. Like, right. you know, he's a good chap. He gave I, her his I, calling I card. I quite yeah. love him. You know, it's very <laughs> strange. Clearly feasting on her essence for nourishment. But sure, like he's, uh, you know, he's he's respecting her boundaries in that sense. Yes, but he he drove a rather smart uh, cart on his way there. It had uh, yellow leather on the inside. So I think the chap is a good man. <laughs> right, right. Well, fortunately, they've got Ulanga to to vilify here. Um, and uh, there's, yeah, u- ugly language about Ulanga. I'm sure people can guess. Uh, I don't want uh, people to be able to piece together my uh, uh, deep fake of my voice. Uh, saying awful things later, so we can skirt around some of that. But uh, there were there were also things that I thought were funny. So I thought this was a good uh, description of Ulanga. Came from the African West Coast. He has two things which men of his own color respect. He can make them afraid, and he is lavish with money. Which I thought sounded like a line from Goodfellas or something, uh, where they're talking about the the guys who run the neighborhood. Yeah, he can make them. Uh, he makes them afraid, and he's lavish with money. You gotta, you know, you gotta no, tip I'd your cap. Go from rags to riches. <laughs> Watch Ulanga tucking twenties into guys. Right. Uh, you know, as he picks up old fashions right. from people yeah. around town. La- you know, laughing uproariously at his uh, his, his uh, messing with him about calling him a clown. So, right. so that was funny. And then we got this, which I, I you know, you know, you hit you hate to uh you hate to reward the racism by parsing it further but uh he was he was originally a witch finder yes. about as low an occupation as exists amongst aboriginal savages then he got up in the world 
and became an Obi-Man, which gives an opportunity to wealth via blackmail, finally, he reached the highest honor in hellish service. He became <laughs> a user of voodoo. So without a flow chart of like which occupations gain you respect amongst uh you know the real savages it's very hard to to suss out what's going on here cuz i don't know what a, a witch finder does nor an obi man or uh, really a user of voodoo so it was a uh, it was hard to <laughs> it was hard to really uh tell how o olongo was moving up here it's uh, i imagine him sitting at the uh you know the airport lounge you know hunched over a drink and like the guy sits next to him and gives him a nod and then a couple minutes later like you uh you an obi man or, uh... <laughs> right uh yeah no no i used to be uh are you yeah no no i moved up to voodoo oh really oh well he clink glasses yeah. like oh you you must know uh you must know uh you know frank uh frank johnson oh, yeah, from yeah, yeah, uh, the, yeah. the topeka no. territory yeah sure i'll give you his name yeah absolutely <laughs> uh but it follows up with this which i thought was again you know like moving let's move on here uh, I was told some of his deeds of cruelty, which are simply sickening. <laughs> yes. They made me long for an opportunity of helping to drive him back to hell. I was like, look, again, I don't want to wallow in, uh, you know, in the evil deeds, but here's something interesting. What do you got for us? At oh, moving on. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yep. They, they got a single yada description. <laughs> yeah. I mean, simply sick. If you heard them. They would be the most interesting, and I mean the grossest thing you've ever heard, but I mean, honestly, the most interesting thing you've ever heard. Maybe he was However, just setting it up for, yeah, the prequel, like, uh, Ulanga the Obi-Man, where he will go into these deeds. Yes. Uh -huh. Oh, I did those sickening things when, when I was an Obi. I've moved on. I'm right. into voodoo now. Come on, man. That's his equivalent of my uh, high school essay. <laughs> yes, uh, listen to the uh listen to the live show get that <laughs> my obi-man period uh but then the, 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 they talk about how he had a collection of uh, uh evil animals uh beaks that could bra break or rend and tear all the birds represented were of a predatory kind even the fishes are those which were born to destroy to wound and to torture um he does uh you, you'll be disappointed to learn he does not elaborate on ulanga's collection of torture fish um, again, extremely interested, but we get no more information about that. Although maybe that's where the forthcoming Birdemic, uh, ties in from. Uh, but just off the top of your head, what are the fish, if you had to guess, that are born to destroy, <laughs> to wound, to torture? Well, if it's, if there's uh, any indication of their, their role in, in popular culture, they're probably going to be piranhas that we never get introduced okay. to. So <laughs> piranha, piranha, yes. we'll put them in the piranha tank. We will never get to that point, even though it would make for a great movie. So we get all this, uh, you know, the, mixed in with all the racism is just like, just imagine to take race out of it. And this is just like the most evil guy in the world. Right. Yeah. So just take that away. So then um, after all of that, the description of what he was and what he, now he's in the service of this other person who they think is evil we get this. Nothing more could be done at the moment, so they separated. Yes. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Yeah. I mean, it's literally after, oh, the previous sentences, it is a little wonder that at the sight of it put that poor girl into a dead faint. Like, man, okay, so what do we do? Nothing more can be done, so they separate. <laughs> he has a way of dissipating tension and everything that would make uh you know el james very very proud yeah 
it's all whelps. You're going to get that deep size. Move yep. along. Yep. Um, then they get to they get to they go out into the world. They he he sees the uh, snakes he had killed uh, all set up in a row. Uh, they seem damp and sticky and were covered with ants. Uh, then they, uh, they, he then comes back and sees Ulanga, uh, running through the trees, through the shadows, holding the dirty, uh, like ta- dirty towels across the rail. He's holding the snakes. Uh, he then takes the mongoose, uh, back out and kills no less than six snakes in half an hour. And- Did you find the, I was very confused by the, he's creeping through the trees so that, so Ulanga didn't see him, though he was walking on the road, and he's carrying snakes covered in ants. <laughs> I found that was just like one paragraph. I found it very confusing. Yeah, he he just has a big habit of uh, giving us the interesting uh, parts in in very abbreviated um, descriptions. And then we get to, I think, one of my favorite things so far. It's my favorite thing in the book. Yeah, uh, get to actual action that we are witnessing first person. Do not hear about later. Um, and I, yeah, I just sort of wrote down passages from it. Please, please go ahead. So, so delightful. he's, he's, he's on the road. Ulanga has passed him holding ant covered snakes. Uh, but then Lady Arabella approaches. Hitherto, the mongoose had been quiet, like a playful, affectionate kitten. But when the two got close, Adam was horrified to see the mongoose in a state of the wildest fury, with every hair standing on end, jump from his shoulder and run towards Lady Arabella. It looked so furious and so intent on attack that he called out a warning. Look out, look out, the animal is furious and means to attack. And then uh, the the next, uh, I think there's like a little more, but uh, Lady Arabella looked more than ever disdainful, like a robot pimp, and was passing on. The mongoose jumped at her in a furious attack. Adam rushed forward with his stick, the only weapon he had, But just as he got within striking distance, the lady drew out a revolver and shot the animal, breaking its backbone. Not satisfied with this, she poured shot after shot into him (laughs) till the magazine (laughs) was exhausted. (laughs) There was no coolness or hauteur about her now. She seemed more furious even than had the animal. Her face transformed with hate as determined to kill as he had appeared to be. Adam, not knowing exactly what to do, lifted his hat in apology and hurried on back to Lesser Hill. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so there is yeah. so much going on in this what in the hell is happening truly incredible it talks about the the mongoose was as kind as a kitten starts lashing out and running towards her you know clearly you know a mongoose is you know, the size of a dachshund or something but it, it he thinks it's about to attack her and then so she coolly just produces a uh, uh a revolver out of her her outfit made of some white stuff and just does the does the thing of and shooting pumps it, pumps it into her gangster style, you know, sideways guns, just like her face, just furious, like yeah. poof, poof, poof. the first one obliterates it. But yeah, then she pauses and just does the you know the 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 comedic effect of just yeah emptying the chamber into it. Double taps the mongoose's head, you know. For <laughs> but here's the curious physical thing. So Lady Arabella looked more disdainful and was passing on. So she mm-hmm. just kind of hmm. Nose in the air after someone says, look out, look out. The animal is furious and means to attack, (laughs) which is something you say when a wild mongoose is, you know, fangs dripping with with, uh, white foam is running at a woman wearing white stuff. And then the mongoose jumped at her in a furious attack. So it's it's on its way to her. Yeah, it's in the air. It's going. It's going for her throat. <laughs> Adam rushed forward with his stick, the only weapon he had. 
But just as he got within striking distance, the lady drew out. So that all happens quite simultaneously, right? Yeah. So the he, animal jumps. He rushes forward with a stick. He's going to whack she, it out of the air like a baseball. So I imagine, like, this is, you know, this is slow-mo, like, um, you know, I don't know, uh, fast Zach and furious yeah. slow-mo or something with cars spinning around, like, super slow-mo as she, he rushes forward with a stick, and that's the noiseless, no. <laughs> and then she's like, right. as the shots just, and then the blood spray comes up, and the animal drops in front of her, and then... It goes into regular speed, and she pumps the six more shells. Yes, into right. It. I mean, yeah, hitting a, a a soaring through the air, teeth bared mongoose again, a thin animal with a with a shot. No matter if she is point blank, is an impressive feat of marksmanship. That lady Arabella, if not for her long, thin fingers, wouldn't have been able to pull that off. I don't think. <laughs> if the mongoose had just latched onto one of those, and she was waving it, but she's waving it, and it's like six feet away from her because her fingers are so long. <laughs> No, please, not my snake-like... F- I mean my long, <laughs> thin fingers. Well, getting into that, we move on to our final chapter in this week's assignment. Chapter Thank 8, God, Survivals. Yes. <laughs> yeah, wow. We gotta, we'll pick a shorter one for next week. Uh, the, uh, but we, we get to um, the, the, the uh, Adam saying, uh, This is very grave. I have not formed an opinion yet, but it seems to me at first impression that this is worse than anything I had expected. Which was also um, my review of the Lair of the White Worm so far. <laughs> <laughs> well, this I, I want to drill down because I pulled out of the uh, uh, the unabridged version of this. There's an audio book of this. Oh, yeah, yeah. There's a moment here where he you... tells him what happened. So he gives him the story of um, he comes into the study at, at breakfast. Sorry, very coy of you to pretend like you hadn't also discovered this unabridged audio book. Well, we... I did. I mean, I didn't want to, you know. I uh, yeah, I was I was holding it out there, but okay. look, of course, I went to the the dark web and got the unabridged version, and uh, it's this moment that intrigued me. So they're at breakfast in the study, and uh, Sir Nathaniel looked graver and graver as the narration proceeded. So presumably, the narration is then like the the mongoose like jumped <laughs> right. at her neck, and she was like boom 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 boom. And I was like, oh, I'm trying to hit it with my stick, but I couldn't get to it. But she shot it and everything. And then it says, and when Adam had stopped, he remained silent for several minutes before speaking. Okay, so what does that <laughs> remind you of these several minutes? Oh, that reminds me of uh, Wade Watts visiting. Uh... A little bit of Wade Watts. And then, uh, so he finally responds several minutes later. This is very grave, he says. And then he finishes. And then he asks him, is the killing of a mongoose so serious? And then it follows up with this. His companion smoked on quietly for quite another few minutes <laughs> before he spoke. And I just couldn't imagine this discourse between two humans. This dialogue would seem to me to be very frustrating. Yeah. Uh, so I, I pulled it from the book. And in fact, no, it's it's very faithfully reproduced. So uh, let's uh, let's just give it a listen. Let's take a listen. And so suddenly, Sir Nathaniel, the mongoose goes absolutely balmy, runs at Lady Arabella, and she shoots him stone dead right on the button. What do you make of that? Uh, Sir? Odd thing. Uh, Neighbor woman. 
shooting one's uh, one's uh, mongoose. Odd, odd occurrence. Noteworthy, commentworthy, even. I mean, even having a mongoose, kind of odd, a little odd. Seems even even on its face, that seems uh, worthy of of a comment. Don't uh, don't know if you have any thoughts. Uh, I. Evidently not. Well, well, look, I'll, uh, I'll let it go at that. Uh, think it'll rain today. This is very grave. I have not formed any opinion yet, but it seems to me at first impression that this is worse than anything I had expected. Why, sir, is, is the killing of a mongoose, no matter by whom so serious a thing is all that? Uh. Sir? Um... Just getting getting back to the the, uh, the mongoose uh, incident. Who? All right, let's uh, let's fast forward a little yeah, here. Yeah, this is going to be taxing the listeners a bit. So, um, uh, yeah. Ah, yeah. Uh, forward a bit more, I think. Oh my god! Yeah, keep a going, more? keep going. Okay. Yeah, a little bit more. Was it really this for quite another few minutes? I I mean, I guess so. I don't know. All right, let's just pull the plug on that. (laughs) Yes. Unbelievable. You know what? I'm looking at the waveform. There is nothing for quite some time. Oh, yeah. Let's not even bother. Several minutes of silence sound Holy cow. Several minutes of silence you'd expect to sound like. So, so man, if you got that from Audible, you're like, whew. Yeah. And you're in the the car and you can't hit the fast forward button. Man, oh, man. That is tough stuff. Well, yeah, Stoker Heads would object if you uh, if you took any uh, took anything out of his of his second masterwork. So you got to give them what they want. That's true. Um, I I admire their adherence to the text itself. Well, we get into a fun little, and by fun, I of course mean uh, tedious and frustrating. Uh, he 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 lays out essentially the thesis for uh, what we're led to believe is going to be the, the main conflict in the book, um, which is that Lady Arabella with the long fingers is the white worm, or is inhabited by the white worm uh yes he, although a a tantalizing and f- quite plausible other theory as well <laughs> which is that she has the smell of snakes all over her and that is why the mongoose attacked right yes. right yeah like, all right let's go with that until let's occam's razor yes uh he, he yeah he says he only attacked the snakes before which is after all his business in life um but he says uh you know 
he he sort of leads us through this uh, Socratic dialogue of, uh, you know, may it be that the mongoose have merely the instinct to attack, that nature does not allow or provide him with the fine reasoning powers to discriminate who is to attack. And are we not justified in assuming that when one of them attacks is a hereto unclassified animal, he recognizes in that animal some quality which it has in common with a hereditary enemy? Um, and then Adam hears that and says, a good argument, sir, but a dangerous one. If we followed it out, it would lead us to believe that Lady Arabella is a snake. <laughs> so it's like, he's Look, like, well, again, I'm just practicing okay. science. <laughs> right. Um, so, yeah, I guess if you're going on the thing that big holes equal huge snakes from earlier, that's a, a, a reasonable leap. Um, and he talks about... Uh, he says, if, uh, if does a scent have any kind carry with it any form of quality or other kind, either good or evil? I ask you, uh, because one ancient name of the house lived in by the lady who was attacked by the mongoose was the lair of the white worm. If any of these things be so, our difficulties have multiplied indefinitely. They may even change in kind. We may get into moral entanglements. Before we know it, we may be in the midst of a struggle between good and evil, to which I, again, used my stamp to issue that a firm settle down. They have have escalated that uh, well beyond the realm of a a mongoose attacked a lady, so she shot it. uh, Again, a reasonable response to a vicious animal attacking you. Mine was to uh, question whether Adam would go, um, you know, cough softly into his hand and go, or, or she had some snake smell on her and uh, <laughs> it set off. Is is that? Uh, uh, no, right. no, my boy. Nope. Good and evil. Giant holes. <laughs> right. Lairs. <Big> snakes. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, Sir Nathaniel also when uh, says, with regard to the first question, as far as I know, there are no fixed periods for which a scent may be active. Um, and furthermore, my boy, he who smelt it also has usually dealt it. <laughs> and then he gets into a very vague discussion of religion and stuff, which I didn't oh get. Oh, my God. Yeah. We you, must I mean, be careful not to confuse the physical and the moral. Like, I I wasn't. We were talking about the snake and the mongoose. It's not, <laughs> I wasn't doing it. But uh, but after he finishes that, I thought this was great. Like, here we turn, said Sir Nathaniel, to the other side, the light side of things. Yes. Thought, oh, my God. Here comes Sir Nathaniel's humor in uniform <laughs> jokes. <laughs> Is he going to tell him the, uh, you know, little dirty Johnny stories or something? <laughs> Unfortunately, Jim. no. I yeah. was very disappointed. Unfortunately, no, but it is a, uh, he, he thought, he discovers before Adam came a dead child on the side of the road. This was unbelievable. Oh, no, Adam discovered this, but uh, yeah. Yes. We, we, we move on to the thing. Yeah, he uh, he says, I was out this morning. Uh, so he's, he's come in, he's told him about the mongoose, but he says, oh, I was out this morning on the edge of the small wood. I came upon the body of a child by the roadside. At first I thought she was dead. And while examining her, I noticed on her neck some marks that looked like those of teeth. <laughs> and so, you know, you'd guess the uncle's reaction to that would be, you're just mentioning this now. Like, oh my God, like, was it anyone I knew? Uh, the uncle says, oh, some wild dog, perhaps. <laughs> the, but this goes both ways then, because later... Um... Uh, so this is the uncle to him as they're on the walk, right? Yeah. For some, now, now I have to tell you something and you know, we can't, uh, sorry, this is Sir Nathaniel, not the uncle. Uh, we got to keep <laughs> your uncle out of they're it. They're interchangeable. Because, yeah. yeah. Because he's, because he's strong and healthy and has a good humor and a good brain. But for some reason we're keeping this from, uh, for some time now, things have been happening in this district that have been worrying him dreadfully. Several people have disappeared. Without leaving the slightest trace, a dead child was found by the roadside. 
<laughs> with no visible or ascertainable cause of death, sheep and other animals have been found in the fields bleeding from open wounds. There have been other matters, many of them apparently trivial in themselves. <laughs> Number one, I told you the story of a dead child, and you went, what? What happened? What was going on? <laughs> right. Like, now you give me this information, but then the other thing is just like, yeah, this has all been going on. It's pretty worrying, but, you know. There's a lot of a lot of trivial stuff like this, <laughs> right? And it's like this sort of thing that's like, "Hey, you want to uh, move to my estate? Oh, sure. Anything I need to know? Oh, no, not at all. Well, sure. Some children and sheep and livestock have been being bitten by a mysterious monster which terrorizes the countryside. Other than that, though, I, I... But now let's turn to the lighter side of things. <laughs> but he says uh, he 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 goes on to say there. You know, I admit I have suspected Lady Arabella. And uh, his reasoning for this is uh, that when she was a young girl, Lady Arabella wandered into a small wood near her home and did not return. She was found unconscious and in high fever. The doctor said she had received a poisonous bite. She recovered, but to the horror of her people, she developed a terrible craving for cruelty, <laughs> maiming and injuring birds and small animals, even killing them. It was hoped that her marriage to Captain March would put this right. However, it was not a happy marriage, and eventually her husband was found shot through the head. I have always suspected suicide, though no pistol was found near the body. For you see, I am a moron, he went on to add. <laughs> I, I also noted, is this, now, is this one of the trivial matters, or is this <laughs> something that we should put any import behind? Yeah, and Adam is like, gotta be like, you let me fix her wagon without knowing that she's bitten by a monstrous creature and tortures birds and shot her husband, clearly, like, and that she is probably the white worm? I was like... You know, I was working on her thing for no money. I I just heard a uh, uh, a podcast about uh, uh, sort of torture in the Middle Ages in in England specifically, and how it was ritualized and everything. There was it was something called the Bloody Code, where basically if you stole a loaf of bread, you would be drawn and quartered, and you know. Um, so this happening with her having you know, disappearing and becoming a zombie who tortures. <laughs> I was like, and the villagers just are, hey, look, I mean, she's an odd kid. You know, she's going to grow out of it. I, I don't know what's going on. Like, no, she would have been torn in half by horses. Oh, absolutely. No yeah, no kidding. Yeah, she if she had just like wandered off and came back, they'd have been like, what happened during that hour? Oh, I went down to the river and was skipping stones. Which? <laughs> like, yeah, you you have a tiny crescent-shaped cut on your... Yeah, somebody threw a rock at me. Die, die! <laughs> but no, she she lives and becomes a respected manor, a person of the manor there. But so this uh, this whole tale of her past and his, uh, his theory about her being possessed, it ends with uh, Nathaniel talks for three quarters of a page, uninterrupted, trucking through time style. It ends with him saying, if my theory is correct, then that the once beautiful human body of Lady Arabella is under the control of the ghastly white worm. And the response he gets, Adam nodded. <laughs> he pretty much does the you're going to get that type of thing. Well, there's nothing we can do about it. Let us retire, retire to our separate chambers and think it over. But then he also says, um, so he comes to that conclusion and said, uh, maim, craving for maiming and killing as well as Many other matters with which I need not trouble you now, Adam. <laughs> we are being troubled with them right now. Yes. She's, there's people being threatened that I have designs on, and uh, that's by the other person who's in our community who isn't possessed by the white worm. So, like, yeah. we've got, it's coming from us on multiple fronts here. 
Uh, you know, son, it's it's uh, 8.30. It's time for bed. I'll read you a little story. Hey, there's a murderer in the uh, neighborhood. He <laughs> What he does is he creeps through windows a lot like yours, and he murders boys of your age. But I need not trouble you with that now. Let's, uh, <laughs> let's get to bed. Right. In fact, I know his name and what he looks like, but... Oh, well, I see we're <laughs> Look, out of walnuts. Get some so. <laughs> rest. And we have some, uh, this is something to undertake when we have sustenance in us, boy, and little eggs and bacon by the sideboard, and then we'll bring it up again. <laughs> um, well, I think that's, uh, that's what we've got for the, uh, the book this time. I think for next time we'll pick a little bit of a shorter section because, boy, that took a while. This book, is, <laughs> this book has not many pages, but as we've discussed before, it's the same size as 64 squares, and uh, like it, it goes to the edge of every page. So it's longer than you'd think. I looked it up uh, in the, the e-doc, and it was like close to 60,000 words. So. <laughs> Ooh, so, yeah, really? We probably, yeah, we read a lot this time. Holy cow. That's a, uh, yeah, 75 is considered just a regular length novel. So yeah. I thought this seemed like a slim novella, but no. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think for next time we can read to uh, through chapter 16. That's 55 pages in our book. And so that'll be a little less than this time around. Hopefully we'll have just as much to talk about. There's special mongooses and uh, all sorts of stuff like that. Um, and But we still, we, I don't think we have any time for emails, but we can do dumb sentences. A sentence begins with a capital letter. A capital letter is a letter that's big. A capital letter is not a small letter. A capital letter is big, big, All right, big. Who, uh, what do we got? Who's got dumb home? stuff? Well, we've got yeah. uh, dumb stuff from a lot of people. People were uh, had a lot of time to email us about this ahead of time. And a lot of these people are our Patreon supporters, which, uh, as everyone hopefully knows, we have a Patreon that's uh, giving everybody access to the episodes early and giving you uh, bonus uh, episodes and, um, you know, contests and, I don't know, just updates and stuff. It's been a lot of fun. People have a lot of good times on there, and we're grateful for everybody. So if you want to join them, it's at patreon.com slash 372pages. Um, uh, you know, what else have we done on there recently? Oh, boy, we've had a lot of stuff. I mean, we have special episodes with... Uh... We, have right, special... we interviewed Bridget and Lauren on there. Yeah. Had, um, yeah. So, yeah, we'll keep that up and uh, grateful to everyone who supports that. We met people from Patreon at the uh, at the live show. We signed a couple Trucking Through Time books. It was great fun. Uh, but here are the uh, dumb sentences. The first one comes from Trejan. We have this one already, but I should like, answered the young man. Nothing better. <laughs> he, uh, he, I think this is a line from Tech War he quoted. Um, I think the bouncy hair guy. It's, amigo, a possibility worth mentioning. <laughs> oh, that's right. <laughs> I hadn't connected those. That's yeah. spot on. Uh, Robert, Richard and George both submitted Men Call It Love, which was, again, very uh, very jarring to read that about uh, uh, Adam meeting Mimi. Uh, Tom H., who tricked you with fan fiction earlier, he submitted, uh, Adam's eyes were in constant employment. <laughs> He's, he added his gallbladder was employed mostly after eating nuts and fatty food. His alveoli were employed always. His lymph nodes were employed usually in response to active viral bacterial infection. And his eyes were in constant employment. Uh, Mr., uh, Patricia submitted, Mr. Salton had all his life been an early riser and necessarily an early waker. <laughs> she said, gee, no kidding. It's good to know he wasn't sleep rising. <laughs> wow, I missed that one. Yeah, yeah, I did too. That's good. Uh, Lucas submitted, look out, look out. The animal is furious and means to attack. 
Um, he says, you know, I re- appreciate remaining loquacious even in dire circumstances, but maybe just a quick behind you uh, might <laughs> yeah. also suffice. Uh, Andrew submitted. Little uh, help. Uh, yeah, he's, yeah. Not, he's not a special one, but right. uh, still, he is on the attack. As the as the foul ball is screaming towards the elderly person next to you in the baseball stands, you know, look out, look out. Look Mookie out. Betts has sent a ball sailing into the stands with a, quite an exit velocity. Please, milady, lower your lorgnette, for the love of God. <laughs> uh, Andrew submitted, uh, no one of this generation has any idea of the cause, but considering the family characteristics, we may take it granted that though it was deep and violent, it was on the surface trivial. Uh, Eric submitted, Caswall indeed looked like a savage, but a cultured savage. Uh, <laughs> and he submitted a very funny image of a uh, stuffed animal of Taz, Tasmanian devil wearing a uh, tuxedo and top hat, which I will post to uh, Twitter. Uh, do not tell me, sir, this is from Mike, do not tell me, sir, what is in your mind, if, of course, you have no objection to, or do not think it better any, and then he says, I understand why Hugh Grant was cast in the film adaptation, it's like all the dialogue was written oh for God. him, <laughs> stammering and lengthy stammering going on. Stammering and harumphing, sure. <laughs> uh, this says, uh... Brian says, in in this year of grace, 1860, I am close to 80 years of age. And though we have been a long-lived race, the span of life cannot be prolonged beyond reasonable bounds. He says, uh, what an incredibly clumsy way to establish the setting. It's like establishing this as a historical novel by having a character say, as you know, it is currently a long time ago. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Dustin, uh, that is so, came the soft voice of Sir Nathaniel. It's a mini roller coaster of a dumb sentence and led me to trying multiple times to say that exclamation, which has an exclamation mark in the thing, that is so, in a soft voice. <laughs> that is so. That is so. And this is from uh, Heather, who uh, Heather is the one who reads her, re- reads this with her, her son, Billy. She wrote in to someone inquired about her, her process of sharing this with her 12 year old son, Billy. She said that, uh, uh, Billy does not did not listen to the Mister, so we can we can we can, whew, yeah, we don't All have right. to contact yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, child services on that. But uh, so Heather has Ross, the animal merchant, has had dealings had had dealings with Adam chiefly in the way of mongooses. It's like he had. <laughs> I, she says, "I thought Adam had been not been in England very long." Did Ross also come from Australia, where they had needed to purchase multiple animals in the past few days? It's very weird. Um, and then Billy had, does not have a dumb sentence, but asked me to tell you that it's odd that Adam and Sir watch his face, get up early, talk for 20 minutes, and then Adam is told to go back to bed. Why did this happen? Why indeed, oh, Billy? Oh, wow. <laughs> I missed that, too. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, everyone's constantly retreating back to their beds and waking up early and talking with old guys. So it seemed like something, yeah, would, could have been easy to miss on my part, too. What do you have for a dumb sentence? Let's see. I have a few... Uh, Maybe some got burned, but we'll see. I had a, uh, she was clad in some long sort of white stuff, uh, lady. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I just had, I thought it was funny just uh, when Adam got back to the carriage, car- carefully carrying the box with the mongoose. Uh, just what I didn't realize mongoose is what their point was. Um, and then my, oh, I had the, I had first take the conduct of the mongoose, which is a funny thing. Um, but then I had my, my main one, which you touched on already. I can hardly explain. I can only say that he looked like a hawk and she like a dove. And now that I think of it, that is what they each did look like and do look like in their normal condition. So he took wow. quite a journey on the on the yeah. on, on, on that sentence. Describing a normal thing. <laughs> um, mine is a slight cheat because it has two sentences, and a lot of them were burned. So this is you know we're we're well down the 
we're down the road here, but uh, gripped her round the throat, then it cannot have been a dog. <laughs> I don't see how that follows, but right. I'll... Uh, <laughs> Sure. Especially said at the top of his voice with uh, exclamation points. Right, in his soft voice. Yeah, it seems like that's a, uh, you know, animals uh, somehow possess a natural instinct to go for the throats. That's pretty much when dogs are, are play, yeah. play attacking with each other. That's what they do. Right. <laughs> and it was a little girl found by the road. So clearly <laughs> a dog's jaws can reach around her throat. But right. whatever. That's uh, <laughs> He's using science and I'm not. Yeah. Well, what a journey, and uh, we still have not even encountered the uh, tall white shaft, so we've got that to look forward to. But yeah, <laughs> so next time we're going to read through chapter 16, that's page 55 in our version, and we will uh, keep your dumb sentences coming, your emails, we'll, we'll hopefully have some more time next week. Um, and yeah, thanks for everyone who supports us on Patreon and for everyone who came to the live show. Yeah, it was a fun live show. Thanks, everyone, and thanks, Patreon people. And get ready, next uh, episode for special mongooses. This has been uh, 372 Fingers crossed. We'll never get back. So long. See you next time.